All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Man with freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell. Here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? And Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Episode 160 is now in full swing, full motion. We are very, very grateful to be here. We're grateful for you being here with us, whether you're live streaming, podcasting, or YouTubing. We want to thank you for making your time or our time and being here with us as we are going to break down a lot of things when it comes to Chiefs football, when it comes to the NFL as a whole. We're going to you know, maybe even get some uh, extra thoughts on the MLB, whatever Eddie's got for us in the Eddie Hour, because the Eddie Hour will be coming up momentarily. We might be having ourselves a nice surprise guest today. This is a very weird time of the year where people are taking a breath, taking a break from the NFL season, because the NFL season never really ends, but we're just kind of in that in-between time. You know, the draft hasn't started yet. Free agency starting to wind down a little bit, and people are just trying to take that little break. I even took a break yesterday. I, I'm never fully off of Twitter, but yesterday I took myself a nice little break, went on a little trip with my girl, and we had ourselves a great day, but I missed you guys, and I hope you guys missed us, because we have a lot of getting to get to when it comes to what happened this last week, and I... Uh, I've been really trying to think about how I was going to start this show. First off, I want to start. Trevor, Eddie, how are you guys doing today? I want to just get some real quick thoughts. How are you, how's your guys' more morale at this current time of, of recording episode 160? My morale is great. It's okay. good. Okay, Trevor, how are you feeling? You're over here sipping your coffee. Hopefully that's coffee. I don't know if it's maybe a – I have a, a bullet rye whiskey over there. Maybe I don't know if Trevor stole some of that. But Yeah. No, man, I'm, I'm feeling good, better now um, the, uh, as far as – my normal life, I feel good outside the allergies, but uh, as far as the sports world goes, things are starting to, start to fall into place. So you know, I mean, I'm doing all right right now, and I'm 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 a, I'm a serial optimist, so uh, I'm seeing the bright side of a lot of the things. He's also going. a serial sheep killer because he actually skinned a sheep to this make that true. jacket. Sure, so but, you sure, guys are but. looking at authenticity at its finest. And to, yeah. to keep on the authenticity side of things, I'm going to be real with you guys. I have had a, a a plethora of emotions this week when it comes to this team. And if anybody follows me on Twitter or on social media, you guys know that I'm not one that is uh, shy of expressing said emotions in the moment of what's going on. And as the, as the week was going on, we had, we had seen that uh, something very unexpected. Actually, it was the very beginning of the week. And I want to play. I want to. I want to do a little Tarantino here, where I I, I get you guys to the end, but I I, I want to bring you back to the beginning to show you how it all started. So we heard this week unexpectedly that the Chiefs and Tyreek Hill stalled on contract extension conversations, and that they had allowed him to go seek a trade. And not two hours later, Tyreek Hill was traded from the Kansas City Chiefs to the Miami Dolphins, and he got himself absolutely paid. With a multi-year contract that got him over 120 million in total and about 72 and a half million guaranteed. I was in shambles, and I'm going to tell you why. When we first started this podcast, this show, the, the Spoken's been around since late 2010. In fact, it was December 6th of 2010 when I started this. 
But in February of 2019, we decided to make this thing a podcast as well and add to the brand. And I remember one of the first big stories that we inherited as a podcast was the controversy surrounding Tyreek Hill, and at that time was an accusation that he had he had abused his child, his child, that he had a lot of uh, past abuse with his girlfriend at the time, uh, Crystal Aspinall, Espinall, I believe is her last name. And we were not certain that we were ever going to see Tyreek Hill play for the Chiefs or play in the NFL ever again. He had a lot of criminal situations going on dating back even back into his college years in 2014. And we were under the impression that the Chiefs were going to have to just figure out a way to fill that need, fill that hole that Tyreek Hill then created for himself and for his own team. And I remember that fear and that anxiety that I had as a Chiefs fan, as, as a fan of, of the Chiefs, a fan of Tyreek Hill, who was just getting into his prime years and really having an opportunity to build with Patrick Mahomes because he had only played one season with Patrick Mahomes before this controversy took place. And we knew how the 2018 season ended, which was just in sheer sadness with an overtime loss in the AFC Championship at home against Tom Brady and the Patriots. And I knew that the Chiefs were going to have to draft a wide receiver. And that's what they did. They went up and traded up and got McCole Hardman early in the second round. And we're thinking, okay, this guy could potentially replace Pat, uh, Tyreek Hill because the Chiefs are in panic mode at this time. Because we had no idea what was going to happen with Tyreek. And we knew. I think we all felt very confident. I, I bet if we go back to our old shows back in April of 2019... That we were still confident that the Chiefs were going to be fine, that they were going to, you know, get get things going offensively, and they're going to be right back in the thick of things in the AFC and continue for another chance at getting to the Super Bowl. But I think we all knew deep down that this team had a dramatically better opportunity of getting to said Super Bowl with Tyreek Hill as opposed to not without him or without him. That's the same feeling and sentiment I have to this point. Going back from three years from now till three years to to this very point to the present day. This team, without question, is better with Tyreek than without Tyreek. And losing him very much frustrated me because I knew that there was an opportunity here for the Chiefs to extend said window that is right now. We know that the window to win is going to be as long as Patrick Mahomes is playing at the level he plays, or at least close to it. We know there will be a decline as he probably gets into his later 30s. But we know that as long as Patrick Mahomes is in place, in Kansas City, in the Chiefs organization, this team is always going to be relevant and always have an opportunity to contend for Super Bowls. But we also know that it goes beyond just Patrick Mahomes. It is his weapons. It is what the, the core pieces. If you look at the great Yankees teams during Jeter's era, yeah, Jeter was the face. But they needed Jorge Posada. They needed Andy Pettit. They needed Roger Clemens. They needed the, the core pieces, Mariano Rivera. They had to have the core four for them to win the, all those World Series. And I looked at that the same way with Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Chris Jones, if you want to throw him in there as well, even Tyron Matthew at times. Regardless of which core pieces you felt were core pieces, we all knew Tyreek was one of them. And losing him at the peak of his powers regardless of what was going on, really stung me because I felt that it dramatically took down the chances of the Chiefs still contending. Now, I'm not sitting here telling you guys the Chiefs can't contend for Super Bowl still because I am not somebody that believes that. And I'm hearing ridiculous and outlandish statements out there of people saying the Chiefs are going to miss the playoffs this year. Look, we're not giving our predictions until September. That is a spoken rule around here. That is what we do. We don't give predictions until it's time to give predictions. But if you really believe that the Chiefs aren't making the playoffs next year, you're, you really need to go get yourself checked. Because I recall early in the Andy Reid era, even middle of the Andy Reid era here in Kansas City, 
2013, 2015, 2016, 2017. The Chiefs made the playoffs those seasons, even though Alex Smith was averaging less than 3,600 yards and 23 total touchdowns. There was a season they almost made the playoffs. They went 9-7, and seven, and a year Alex Smith didn't throw a touchdown to a wide receiver. So although losing Tyreek Hill is a dramatic loss, no matter who fills his role this year, they won't be Tyreek Hill. Alex Smith doesn't compare to Patrick Mahomes, and that is a significant uprated quarterback, and that is why you've seen the Chiefs' trajectory and success go sky high from Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes, from a good, decent quarterback to an all-time great quarterback. So I'm not worried about whether the Chiefs can't contend this year or not or moving forward. But I do fear, knowing how the AFC is now structured, how they've been stockpiling talent, and knowing that the Chiefs are a team that can still very much win Super Bowls right now, I didn't feel this move helped the Chiefs dramatically. But, as we all know, and these guys always help me, always try to bring me back down to earth because I get frustrated and I start just spewing and I start saying my things. You guys know. You guys follow us. You guys see us and what we say on, 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 on the spoken page, on Twitter. You see what I'm saying. I want to give you guys authenticity in the moment. But as the week went by, I started to hear some things that, that, that contextualized the move. For one, Tyreek Hill wanted to play closer to home. He said it in his opening press conference with the Miami Dolphins. He said, I can finally have my family in Georgia come to my games in Florida. It's a lot closer to my home. And I don't blame a man that wants to be closer to home. I understand the value of having family. And a man that has taken on the challenges that Tyreek Hill has taken on both personally and professionally, I don't blame this man for going and doing it for that reason alone. But furthermore, Tyreek Hill has missed out on so many opportunities, so much money for things that were proven to be false, that he didn't do, the acts that he didn't commit. The only reason he even admitted guilt in the court of law was because he didn't have the money as a college student to fight it. That's the only reason. And he missed out on millions and millions and millions of dollars Early on in his NFL career. You guys realize that previous extension that he got from the Chiefs? He got a third of what he should have gotten. And it's not the Chiefs' fault because they had to protect themselves. Given the scenario that something could emerge they're not aware of. That happens. But he missed out on a $100 million contract three years ago. And endorsements and sponsorships and just opportunities in itself. So when people last year were upset with Tyreek Hill for not restructuring, I stood with Tyreek Hill. Because it's not his job as an athlete to make money available for his team. If he doesn't, that's great. And we all tip the cap to him. But I'll tip the cap just as tough if I know a man standing for what he knows he's worth. And that's why I still stand with Tyreek Hill for going out there and getting record-breaking money. Because he earned it. He deserved it. And I wanted to see my team give it to him. Because I felt he was worthy of that here in Kansas City. But looking at the big picture and understanding that the Chiefs tried to give him as much money as they felt he was worth in Kansas City. Which again, me and the Chiefs would never see eye to eye as far as what, I, what we think he's worth here in Kansas City. I thought he was worth whatever money it took to get him. But the Chiefs felt different. Tyreek wanted that money and he was helping on getting what he felt he was worth. He wanted to play closer to home. The Dolphins matched it. They fit what Tyreek Hill wanted at this time of his life and at this point of his career. So regardless of whether it helps the Chiefs or hurts the Chiefs, 
This is about Tyreek Hill and what he wanted as a man and as a professional athlete. And I tip my cap to him. I respect him for what he does. And after thinking about this throughout this entire week, I respect and appreciate what the Chiefs did as well. Because the Chiefs were looking out for their better interests on how to build a better team moving forward. Is it going to hurt the Chiefs this season? Yeah, I think so. Losing Tyreek Hill is never going to help you. Especially in the current state of what this team is. And we're going to talk about this today. We're going to talk plenty about the moves the Chiefs are now making and are going to continue to make. Which I'm very, I'm very much a fan of some of these moves that we the Chiefs have been making. To not replace Tyreek Hill, but make sense of losing Tyreek Hill. I think that's the context of what we're looking at when it comes to some of these moves. Because you just can't, you can't replace what Tyreek Hill is. He is the most unique weapon we have ever seen in the history of the NFL. I say that confidently. I'm not saying that as a Chiefs fan or a fan of Tyreek Hill, but you can't make a We talked about this. The only guy I ever even was able to even try to compare him to was Steve Smith. And you can't compare him because he's just that much better of an athlete Antonio than Steve Brown. Smith. Yeah, guys like that. like Guys that you can say maybe. Anomalous players, man. But, but him and Debo Samuel are just the most unique weapons I've ever seen in the NFL. And him and Debo Samuel are completely different athletes. Debo's way bigger, yeah. plays more of a running back style, more of a hybrid. But Tyreek is a guy that the defense is just fear immensely deep down the field. He almost single-handedly recreated the way defenses play the Chiefs. It is, And no knock on Patrick Mahomes. You guys know what I stand on Patrick. I think he's the greatest quarterback that's ever lived. But Tyreek Hill is the threat, the weapon, that made them go, we have to play cover two all the time against the Chiefs. Even if they're getting six and a half yards a carry, we're not stopping. Because that guy could beat us with one play. That's the kind of guy Tyreek Hill is. Do I believe that guy, Tyreek Hill in Kansas City, is going to transition to Miami? No. Because they don't have that quarterback. And that's where Patrick Mahomes and the greatness of what Patrick is comes into play. Is that you're not going to see Tyreek Hill do that. Because as much as I praise Tyreek for making this decision for his family and for his own well-being, his production... The, the, the top-tier Devontae Adams-esque type production and being able to go and get Super Bowls and opportunities to get Super Bowls, those days are done for Tyreek. Maybe the Dolphins become a really, really good formidable team. They lost Brian Flores, and they don't have a top 25 quarterback. So those days are done for Tyreek, and he got his ring. He's contended. He's been to four AFC championships. He's played in over 10 playoff games. I'm happy for Tyreek, man. He's got a Hall of Fame career. But there's also going to be a price to pay with going and getting the bag. That he's going to have to realize that part of my career is done, at least for the foreseeable future. So from Tyreek's side of things, I respect it. I admire it. I love the hell out of that guy. He's one of my favorite football players ever. And I really wish he was still here. I hate the fact that he's not going to be here in Kansas City. And it's probably going to take me a couple of years to get used to the fact that he's not going to be here in Kansas City. Seeing him in a Dolphins jersey is going to be really weird. But seeing the Chiefs continue to ascend is what I am more fixated on. What I'm, hope, what I'm hopeful for. And honestly, I'm still confident in. And that's why I intentionally wore my shirt today that my brother gave me for my birthday. In Veach We Trust. And I ain't trying to be no fanboy here. I know people try to accuse me of that all the time. Don't give a shit. I'm somebody that tries to keep it real. And you know what I'm choosing today? I'm choosing up to optimism, like others said, serial optimistic or serial optimism. That's what I'm going to try to do. I'm trusting that Brett Veach is going to put the right pieces in place, that the Chiefs have the best interests in mind for Patrick Mahomes, for our fan base, for everybody moving forward to be as successful as possible, not pitching pennies. Because if that was the case, I don't know what I could tell you guys today. I'd have to sit here and tell you guys that I'm really worried about the trajectory moving forward. Because I'll say this. 
Very That very day that Tyree Hill got traded, I said it was the stupidest move in the history of the Chiefs. But context matters. And I'm going to sit here in front of this camera and tell you guys, with context considered and knowing the truth of what went back behind the scenes, I don't believe that anymore. I don't believe this is the stupidest move in the, in the history of the Chiefs. I think this could be a move that could either really hurt the Chiefs or really help the Chiefs. And the pressure's on. Because now, Brett Veach, it's on you, bro. You got to go out there and crush ass on all these draft picks. You got five draft picks in return for Tyreek Hill. You got an extra first round pick. You got to make it work, man. Because as much as I'm sitting here now, seems kind of defending you now at this point, where I'm saying that I think that this move made sense to both sides, it's only going to make sense for the Chiefs if they do the right thing with these picks. If they get some guys with these picks, they opened up over twenty million in cap by moving on from Tyreek Hill. You got to utilize that those those uh, those dollars in the best way imaginable because this team, there's no excuse. The new set standards we've been talking since 2019 when they won the Super Bowl, it is a Super Bowl or bust mentality. So either you make this team better and you let them still be at the top of the AFC and the AFC that's stockpiled greater than we've ever seen, you failed at your job. And it sucks because with these draft picks, we're not going to know probably for a couple more years whether these draft picks really were the right move or not. But when you can get five draft picks for a non-quarterback, it's a hell of a haul. I don't like the trade in itself because I would have rather gotten Jalen Waddle or Xavier Howard because I want sure things. I don't like what-ifs. I'm more of a fan of what I know I can bank on. Jalen Waddle, Xavier Howard, guys like that, I can bank on. So I'd have preferred to see that. But I saw Brett Veach last year get us four starters in the draft. Four immediately day one contributors. So I'm going to give him the faith that he can do that again, or at least close to that. If he can get us three or four starters, day one contributors, in this draft, it's a justified trade. Trevor, what are your thoughts? I mean, we can just end the show now. I mean, that's not um, – I mean, listen, man, like – there's a, there's a, for me, the way I'm looking at it, there's a, there's a, there's a non-negotiable rule in the dating world when you're out there, you know, and you're trying to find a partner. Always be with someone that wants to be with you. And it, was, it seems after the presser, after the things and the statements have been said, it definitely seems like Tyreek wanted out of here because we were going to pay him similar. We were going to pay him 85 cents, damn near 90 cents on the dollar that what he got from Miami. Um, maybe a year off of that deal, maybe not as many years, but um, you know, a three-year deal, a pretty comparable to what he got in Miami, and he didn't take it. And they ripped up the deal when the Devontae Adams thing, um, when Devontae's deal came through. So it definitely seemed like you know wrote, uh, his, his his agent and, and himself, they, they, they tore up the deal that was damn near in place and ready to go. The Chiefs had offered, and it was from what I've been hearing, it was on the table. Things were ready to rock. We were ready to get him signed and extended. Um, and then Devontae Adams got paid, and he wanted more than that. Um, and I, I'm sure we were still willing to pay him handsomely because, you know, he's a once-in-a-lifetime talent, as most teams would want to keep him around. Um, cut damn near anybody other than Tyreek Hill. Um, but, you know, I think he wanted out of KC, and he's, I think he's made that pretty clear. Um, I know he's not the most well-spoken guy, but it, with the words that he did say in his presser, he made it pretty clear that he wanted to be in Miami over Kansas City. Um, he wanted to trade um, – you know, possible championships and, and, and more success in the sport for money, which he's already reached the highest of highs in this sport. He's a champion. He's a multi-pro bowler. He's one of the greatest. He's the greatest receiver in Chiefs history. He's arguably one of the most dynamic players in NFL history at this point of his career. Um, so his numbers are going to take a dip. His, his success is definitely going to take a hit. Um, 
less highlight reels on ESPN. Definitely, all that stuff's gonna go down. You're not gonna. It's not gonna be nearly uh, the Tyreek that we are uh, accustomed to. But I love Tyreek Hill, man. Um, I know as fans, we we tend to fall in love with players. This is one of the guys that I fall in love with. Uh, um, you know, the Tony Gonzalez's and you know the, the Jamal Charles's and the Eric Berry's and all these guys that were just. Their personality, the what they did on the field, their 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 passion for the game, and what they brought. I, I'm very thankful for having Tyreek in my memory bank. Um, so many joyful moments, man. So many, so many laughs. So many sad, dark moments that we got through together. It's like I was like that's why I compare it to dating because we went through so much with this guy. You know, we took his side, we stood by him uh, with all his shit that he was going on, and I'm glad he came out above all of it. And look at this guy, man. What a story. This guy was almost. If we didn't draft him, who knows if he would have even been drafted. You know what I'm saying? So now he goes from being a guy that almost didn't get drafted. The Chiefs gave him a chance, and now he's the highest-paid receiver in NFL history, bro. Yeah. That's an incredible story. So with that, I'm super happy for him. Uh, just for that story alone, just for um, you know his kids, his, his kids' kids, his great-grandkids, all these things. Like That story is forever entrenched in that family tree. Uh, you know, that he created that gener- generational wealth from going through the shit that he went through uh, early on in his youth. To becoming one of the greatest athletes ever, uh, it's a, it's an incredible story, and I'm a big fan of stories like that. So I, I love Tyreek to death, man. I, I wish him nothing but you know success and and and, and wealth in, in Miami. It's a, I know it's a great location. Yeah. Uh, I can't knock it for one to go to Florida. I mean, it's a nice warm weather. So um, yeah, it's 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 going to be like I said, it's going to take some years to not to get used to not seeing ten on that field with Patrick Mahomes. That's a that's one of the greatest dynamic duos if we've ever seen. Maybe the most dynamic as far as just speed and arm strength together. Um so yeah, this this one hurts, man. It really does. You know, like I said, we fell in love with this guy. Uh we're used to having this guy around. Now it's gone. Now it's vacant. Now we got to find We're never going to win the way we won with Tyreek. Um just because we got to find different ways to, you know, this offense is just going to be different now. We're going to find different ways and I fully expect us to um you know, bring in different guys to impact the game differently and win different ways and have guys with multiple different skill sets rather than depending on one guy that can just damn near do it all. Um, but Which I kind of like the challenge of that, though. I like I like the fact that we can see what Veach is capable of of bringing different guys in. Um, this is a championship-caliber team move. This is a Patriots-esque dynasty move. We all know there was a 10-year span where the, the Patriots never won a Super Bowl, but they were always one of the best teams in the league. They were always a Super Bowl favorite, no matter what. They didn't win for 10 years, but they're always in the AFC Championship game, whether uh, outside of the year that Brady was hurt, even with Matt Castle. They, they had a great balanced roster all those years. Right. So, I mean, all these years, when, when, whether they were always in the in the fray. So this is this is one of those moves where, you know what, this is a very Patri- Patriots-esque move. This is a very, uh, you know, letting the star player walk, taking the money. And it's a win-win, honestly. Like you said, outside of a non a non quarterback player getting five picks in a trade, yeah. pushing thirty, that is a haul. So I mean, it really depends. Like you said, this is my thing. It really depends. If we whiff on these picks, it's unforgivable. That is an unfor- unforgivable sin. You're going straight to hell, buddy. You cannot like that is. You know what I mean? That's sacrilegious, can I say, man. Can I say something real quick yeah. about that? When, I'm glad you said that right there about it being unforgivable because also something I didn't even mention in my opening rants, if you will, is. You didn't have to trade Tyreek. No. That's the key here. 
They still had at least two years of control left mm-hmm. on him. So I understand you want to get what you can now while you can, especially when he doesn't technically want to be here if you're if we really want to throw that out there, which I don't know for sure. Yeah. But it does look that way considering what I just broke down, what you broke down. Yeah. But the fact that Chiefs could have said, hey, man, by contract, it's binding. You can, you got to play here. That sucks. You want to yeah. leave. But you, and then we can franchise yep, tag you after that if you really wanted to do then that. Then you hit the market at 30-31. So that's what I'm saying. The, yeah. the pressure cooker is on now. Yeah, but that goes Veach back, to, gotta, that goes back yeah. to my dating point, my dating yeah. analogy. You know, B was someone who wants to be with you and vice versa. Yeah. He made it very clear, and supposedly the statement is that he, him and his agent came into, you know, Reed and, and, and Veach uh, and said, you know what, I'm not going to play if you guys don't give me this contract. And I, he wanted the exact contract that he was getting. He, I mean, imagine being the guy that Tyreek Hill is and, and have, taking, you know, chump change on the dollar to what the, the, the league average was or what the league top pay was for those receivers. And he's been arguably the best receiver of his past five, six seasons, or at least the past four seasons. Um, and, not, and not getting it, you know, and then coming to this point where, like, you know, he wants his money at this point, man. He's won a championship here. Um, you know, he's done his thing. So I, I get both sides. I really, really do. And I think this is the – if we were going to trade him, this is the time to do it. Um, I don't want to hold anybody hostage. I don't want to – I don't want him to think that he, you know, is being held hostage in any way, you know. And, and who knows, man. We've seen Le'Veon Bell do it. I know there's not a lot of uh, uh, um, examples of players actually holding out because once that money starts decreasing, that changes a lot of guys' minds. But, I mean, there's a chance that Tyreek would have just been sitting there, or you know, on our roster, and we could have traded him and had picks and been in the situation that we're in now, and he's just sitting there not playing. And we're the Chiefs are a franchise that do not like to have these types of things looming. Well, they don't like bad PR. Not even just, not so, even so, just that, man. Yeah. We have to capitalize on every single season with Patrick right. Mahomes here. Right. You know, this is going to fly by, bro. Patrick Mahomes, before we know it, is going to be gone. And I know that sucks to admit, but these fun years are going to fly by. Yep. As Patriots fans. And they had Tom Brady for twenty damn years, you know. What I mean, so right. And the, 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 we're, we're I, I guarantee you, a lot of that is a blur. Yeah. Yeah, think about it, Patrick Holmes. This is his sixth season. Yeah, man. So that's, I mean, that's we nuts got to it. We've we got to capitalize. Got yeah, we got to capitalize. So if we can go get you know some stud guys, and I know we got a lot of draft talk down the road here, if we can capitalize and go get you know two starting receivers, a couple starting edge players from this draft. This draft is loaded with those two positions in particular. Yeah. So. I'm excited. I'm sad and excited at the same time. It's like I said, I keep bringing it back to the dating world, but like you broke up with a girl you guys had a lot, but you ended up going your separate ways. Uh, but then you hit the dating market again. You feel good about yourself. You know, it's a similar yep. feel. Like there's yep. there's darkness and there's happiness to it. So it's a, for me, it's a win-win. Tyree got his money. Tyree got generational wealth. He worked for every damn cent that he just got right now. He's in a great location. He's closer to his family. That's a win. Casey just got one of the biggest hauls ever for a receiver and via trade arguably the biggest trade yeah. acquisitions for one receiver ever. So, And then we got the most cap space. We're making moves. We just signed Ronald Jones. We got another skill player there. We got Mar- Marquez Valdez-Scanling, another skill player there. It may not be a major dynamic guy, but another guy that can stretch the field, keep this offense afloat. We still got a lot of changes to come here, man. This draft's going to be fun. Maybe the most exciting draft we've ever had with the most amount of picks. But this is what championship teams do. This is what championship front offices do. The the us as fans we fall in love with the players. The front office cannot do that. Mm-hmm. Front office cannot fall in love with players. They got to be able to cut bait with players. This is a hard. This is a cold business. I respect the shit out of Brett Beach for doing this. I really, really do. And he's gained that much more respect for me over this. Because this is not easy, man. Tiger is not only was he a fan favorite. He was a favorite amongst Coach Reed, Brett Beach. They the all love this players. Guy. Yes. yes, this guy has given us some of the best memories of this champ of this of this championship run and just this. 
success we've had over the last handful of and years. So to that point about the, the all the, I mean, guys, kind of think about this. And Eddie, I can't wait to get your thoughts because I know you and I did not see eye to eye for like four days this week about this, and we did talk about this before. I know usually we talk about the show, talk about this stuff on the show for the first time. Yeah, not this week. That this has been an exception for sure. But look at all the highlight plays in just the last six seasons. By the way, six Pro Bowls in a row for Tyreek. He's never not been a Pro Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Three times in a or three of the last four years, all first, all first team, all not pro. bad for a kick returner. Not bad, yeah, yeah. for a return specialist. Yeah. Yeah. But also the fact that you're looking at this could be a blessing for Patrick Mahomes as well. I know that sounds nuts, but think about the the, the narrative that's always been, you know, about well, he's of course he's great. He's got Tyreek and Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Well, now he's got Travis Kelsey, and Travis Kelsey is now in his mid thirties. He's four and one without Tyreek. And yeah. yes, exactly, four <laughs> and one averages three hundred seventy four yards per game, eight touchdowns, one interception, one hundred three quarterback rating. Yeah. Okay, one one only one interception. Oh, one interception. And it was in the game that was Patrick Mahomes' first career game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's against the Broncos. So yeah. just take about take Albert that. Wilson, yeah. So yeah. basically, he's had eight straight touchdowns without Tyreek Hill yeah, in five games. Game. Small sample size, but the point is, this could change a lot of narratives and a lot of minds. If you see Patrick Mahomes go out there and drop another 48, 4,900 yard season, 40 touchdowns, 12 picks at most, without Tyreek Hill for an entire season. Like, think about that for a second. So I just want to throw that out there. I think this could be a blessing for Patrick Mahomes as well when it comes to legacy. Because it, and, and Trevor brought that up about getting the hole. Think about this. Guys, Randy Moss is arguably considered the greatest receiver of all time, yeah. if not number two, number three at worst, yeah. right? Yeah. The Raiders traded him to the Patriots in his prime for a fourth-round pick. The man was 29 years old. Goddamn Patriots. Got a fourth <laughs> round pick. Yeah. yeah. Well, they got to the Super Bowl and lost, but he I'm lost. saying, like, he had 16, a, yeah, But him undefeated. and Tom Brady yeah. had the greatest seasons ever at that point for, for both a quarterback and a wide receiver. Brady Moss had 22 touchdowns that next season. No one's ever done that again. Yeah. Right? It was an insane year. Ever. Unbelievable. Yeah. So. You think about that, like what the Chiefs just got for a guy who was only a year younger than Randy Moss, who was arguably the GOAT, got four additional picks and four better picks. So what you're saying is Valdez Scantling is going to have 22 touchdowns. We'll get to that in just okay. a second. Eddie, I want to get your generalized thoughts <laughs> right. on this whole situation. Man, I want to start with what Trevor said about fan, uh, fans uh, falling in love with the player and how the front, how the front office can't. We saw what happened with Derek Barry. The front office fell in love with the, with the person. We signed him for a, a crazy deal at that point for a safety. That's a good point. And look what happened. It bit us right in the ass. It's the same situation. Too, it's the same exact Eric situation. Eric cancer. There was a yep. dark time. So we went it, through it with him. Yeah. The, yeah. And the Chiefs fell in love with the player, and you see what it ha- you see what happened. No. It, it was just a terrible deal. It was just something that the Chiefs, it, it, like, it bit him in the ass. And they didn't want to repeat something that had already happened in the past. We can't. We can't pay this player too much money because we don't know it's a lot of money. what's going to – it's way too much. And at the end of the day, you have to build this team around Patrick Mahomes, not around uh, an aging uh, wide receiver. If you would have paid Tyreek Hill, it would have given Fred Beach a, 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 a lot less to work with to build that defense that they, they really, really need. So I, I feel like the Chiefs offer what they could. To still be able to build a def- a, a, com- a somewhat competitive defense, and kind of help help Patrick Mahomes a little bit. So they tried. Tyreek Hill obviously chose the money. I don't blame him. That that's his that's his right. He can he can do whatever he wants with his life, and he chose money. That's I'm okay with that. At the end of the day, this is a business, and the cheese. I, I believe that the cheese made the right decision here. A lot, a lot of fans are, 
heartbroken. It sucks to see Tyreek Hill go. But at the end of the day, I think this was the the best move and the only move that the Chiefs could have made this offseason. You, you, you brought up the whole, well, technically they still had two years uh, of control on Tyreek Hill. Yes, but let's say this season Tyreek Hill has a down year. And then the next offseason you try to tag him and he doesn't want to play. Then you trade him. You lose value on that player. So you're not going to get as much as what you could have gotten this season. This season we got five picks. Next year, him only having uh, being franchise tag or anything, that those draft picks drop. You can probably get up to two or three picks, and you're not you're not looking at a late first round pick. You're looking at mid round picks at that point. So I think the Chiefs only had one option here. Tyreek, it felt like Tyreek didn't want to be here, so the Chiefs arms were tied. I, I think it came to the point to where it didn't matter what the Chiefs did. The Chiefs did. To keep him here, I, I think Tyreek's mind was already set on. He was helping. He was helping on being the, yeah. the top paid yeah. receiver. So yeah. I, I think that's what put put both. It was just it was not repairable. And I, I would say this: I think you guys. I don't know if you guys will agree with me on this, but I, I do confidently believe Tyreek Hill is still here in Kansas City if Devontae Adams doesn't get that contract. With yeah. the yes. yes, there was already a, yes. there was already a, a, the, a contract. Yes, place. apparently before he went to, to uh, Dubai or whatever, the, the deal was already agreed upon. And then obviously, while reset was, the market. Devontae while he was the out there, Devontae got traded. He signed the new contract. Tyreek was like, "I want to be the most paid." Yeah, yeah. And, and, that's, and, what, and, and that's, that's what kind that, of fucked the Chiefs. Well, that's why I respect the Chiefs, man. Because somewhere along along there, you got to draw a line. There's got to be yes. a line. And if someone crosses it, look, hey, man, like I told you, this is where we're at. If you go across that line, like we're done. Yeah, that's respect, I, bro. That's yeah, a man. I feel like, Brett, I feel like Brett, Beach, man word. Brett Veach did everything he could yeah. to keep Tyreek Hill here, but it felt like. Like I said, it felt like the Chiefs doesn't didn't matter what they did. Like they could have given him more years, but a little bit less money, he still wouldn't have taken it. Or if they would have given him a little bit less years, some some good money, he still probably wouldn't have taken it. As to what I read, Tyreek Hill's first option uh, of anything was Miami, Miami, go to Miami, regardless. His mind was already set in Miami and the dollar signs. Supposedly he had spent the it, last week in Miami before Miami, he signed exactly. the deal. Well, that's yeah. where he goes in his lives, off season. So he lives in Miami. Yeah, that's yeah. his house. He has a house in Miami. He trains he the lives, off season there. Yeah, he lives in Miami. So I, I think Tyreek wanted to be close to home. Yeah, he wanted to live near there. So I, I felt like Tyreek's mind was already out of Kansas City. I started a year and a half or a little over a year and a half ago when he refused to restructure. Restructure. And I, and I, that was kind of the first. I, I don't blame him either. Yeah. I don't, that's his money. You don't touch his money. You, you don't have you to know, do shit. You don't, exactly. He does not have to fucking oblige by it. He does not. He could look like an asshole. I don't care. That's yeah, his Chiefs money. Don't have to pay you either. Right? Yeah, the, yeah, that's his money. They still have to pay. That's your contract. You know what I mean? So, I feel like the Chiefs, uh, the Chiefs tried, but I respect Ray Bitch for what he did. I think it was time to move on. I'm not gonna say obviously getting rid of a player that fuck that that big. Is I would have been able to make like, that decision. I'm yeah. like, here, just take the money. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah I'll stay here, please. I'll admit exactly. that as well. <laughs> but that's yeah. that's when you bring back the whole what Trevor said. You can't as a as a front office, you can't fall in love with the player. Yeah. You and, just cannot. and to your point, and that, that's a good point too because 
I'll be. I mean, we've seen previous GMs with the Chiefs. I don't know that Carl Peterson doesn't make that move. John Dorsey would have kept Tyreek. John Dorsey, John who Dorsey. drafted you know Tyreek, would have kept him. Yeah. Uh, I, I guarantee you, Scott Pioli's ass would have done the same thing. You know what yeah. I mean? So See, maybe Brett is everything we needed at the right at, time at uh, GM. Eric yeah. Berry. I feel like Eric Berry, Clark Hunt stepped in and said, "Here's your contract." Yeah, yeah. I feel like the fans love you, man. I feel, yeah, here. I feel yeah. like Clark Hunt did the same. I, I'm not. I can't guarantee because I have. I have yeah. not seen it. But I feel like Clark Hunt could have came also to Brett. He's like, give him the money. That's give what I love money. about this. That we learn yeah. from that. Yeah, mistake. give him the money, I mean, and then I think Brett Reed was more of a. Well, you you brought up the Eric Berry contract. I can tell you guys for certain. I know this from people that actually were in the situation. Yeah. Clark Hunt came down and told the Chiefs brass, yeah. "You're pairing Eric Berry." Yeah. He's staying. I remember hearing that too. Yeah, that actually did happen. Yeah, so, so you're I, right. He so does pick like and choose. Like, I'm, sure Clark, from that I'm sure mistake. Clark Hunt can't could have potentially if he wanted to. Yeah, to, yeah. It's like, hey, we're keeping Tyree, but I feel like Brett Veach and Clark Hunt were communicating throughout the whole process yeah. to where Veach was uh, confident enough to was like, hey, it's time to trade him. We're good. We're, we're going to be able to build around Patrick Mahomes. We're going to be able, be able to build that defense that yeah. we. There had to really be assurances. Yes. There had to have yes. been assurances. Because I'm sure Clark Hunt as an owner, you don't want to see your top tier player. And you also market. brought up, you guys, have, several people have brought up like the fact that, okay, this trade doesn't happen if Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes aren't even like not only told about it, but yeah. have to essentially sign off. Yeah. Like I, I would imagine if Patrick Mahomes like banged the table and said, no, you're not trading Tyreek, pay him whatever he wants. I know he doesn't want to be here right now, but money talks. Yeah. Like, I bet if the Chiefs matched that offer, Tyreek would have significantly considered. Because we saw reports 30 minutes before he, the, the trade was finalized that he was still considering staying yeah, in Kansas City. He was, the, that, he, that he was torn, but... Yeah. Then they came out and said that it's like, well, his first destination was always Miami. Yeah. So, so he, ultimately, he, the pendulum would have yeah. swung yeah, that yeah. way. It took so a whole he was, 35 minutes yeah, for this so to happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it literally, the news But think of the incentives. Yeah. Like, you get that money... And you're going to stay with Patrick Mahomes in the yeah. offense you've been making a Hall of Fame career. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if I'm Tyreek, I, I take the money in yeah. Kansas City and stay here. But, you know, to each his own, man. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, I feel like the Chiefs just didn't have the the, the money. Yes, they had the cap space. 85 to, cents to the dollar yeah, they, we they, they had the cap space to bring him back yeah. and give him top dollar. But yeah, if the Chiefs would, wanted to pay him, they yeah, could have. They, they could have. But they wouldn't be able to build that defense. They wouldn't be able to bring uh, 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 another top player. They, they, they couldn't do much at the draft. Uh, so it, 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 their hands were tied. They it's a win-win. So, yeah, they would have been so tied to where right now we we probably couldn't like uh, we've seen news about Stephon Gilmore uh, Chiefs uh, reaching out to Stephon Gilmore and pro- probably bringing him here. If Tyreek Hill had signed that contract, we would not hear uh, any news about Stephon Gilmore even uh, Kansas City even considering him at all because they wouldn't be able to afford it. So now this opens to where the teams can can bring in players and complete the team overall instead of just the offense. Well, if you look at the track record of what Brett Veach has done over the last two off-seasons, he's essentially told us that he's choosing Orlando Brown Jr. and Joe Tooney over Tyreek Hill. Because mm-hmm. yeah. if you look at it, yeah, you're talking about the, the, the contracts that he's got to pay Orlando Brown knowing yeah. when he traded him, yeah. traded for him, and gave up multiple picks to yes, get him. Yeah. Then we're going to have to pay this guy $100 million, and then we go and give Joe Tooney the richest contract and guard has ever had, you got $37 million a guaranteed attached to Chris Jones. Like He essentially told us remember this. We didn't really look at it that side, way. Remember the Richard Seymour walk? Yeah. Remember that? And the, yeah. This and, reminds me of and, a little and bit. And the crazy thing is that we talked about who would you rather keep, Orlando Brown or Tyreek Hill? And I picked Orlando Brown, but 
because that's you're protecting your 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 money making your yep. money grab. You're protecting your quarterback, who I believe is a more important role than your wide He's receiver. Be here long term. Positional was, value alone. Yes. yes. So I felt like Orlando Brown paying him instead of Tyreek Hill was the better decision. Then because I feel like protecting, like I said, protecting your quarterback, your your most valuable player, yeah. the player that can bring championships to this team. Which oh, I won't pretend. I won't pretend. Other. I agreed. I, I said Tyreek Hill because Tyreek Hill is such a unique weapon. But I, you ultimately Hill. are right because yeah. of positional value, because of what Orlando Brown Jr. actually means to this team. I honestly, though, I'm going to be real with both you guys right now. I'm going to be as candid as I can. I would still pick Tyreek Hill. I know that sounds nuts, but that's how that's how special yeah. he is. Yeah, so that, you guys that understand shows that, that shows that we fell in no, love. I mean, we can yeah. we can sit here and, and basically sign off on this trade now because there's really nothing we can do about it. He's anyway. a bigger game changer than, than Orlando. But, but yeah, I, even going so back, impact, I'm still picking Tyreek. Yeah, greater, since but. the news came out, uh, I remember you were pretty pissed and you were pre- pretty uh, pretty putting it mildly. So both of you guys were upset, and I was more of a. I was looking at the return value. I was looking more at the draft picks. I was looking, okay, now this team can go out there and actually build a, a, a good caliber uh, team for Patrick Mahomes, a, a, a team that can actually go out there and, and, and compete. Uh, so I felt like it was the right move since it happened, since the news broke. I feel like, okay, it's something that you had to do uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, just to get the most out of it now. Eddie thinks we have him on the show because of his Mac or because of what you know other jokes he makes on the show. It's because you bring the calm. Because if it was just Trevor and I every single week, this would be the Hotheads podcast. So trust me, while we're sitting over here fuming, you're over here dumping water on us, just letting that letting that fire simmer a I just, little bit. You know? So so like, and a lot of my predictions, I tr- or a lot of my takes, I try to think more about the. Uh, the entirety of the thing instead of just focusing on one single the thing. The big picture. I, yeah. I tried looking at the big picture. Yes, it's it, obviously I wasn't too thrilled to see the news, but when I saw what we were getting in return, it was like, okay, we can definitely make this work. We have 12 picks, I believe, in this. The in most cap space. total picks. picks. Yeah, we had the most picks, the most cap space. I was like, we can definitely Go make Go fucking this, make it happen. Yeah, yeah, we can definitely make this work. Yeah. And he, uh, Brett Beach went out there, uh, just signed Ronald Jones. He went inside uh, Scantling. He yeah. went inside Juju. Signed a new linebacker. Uh, and and then now you're looking to bring Stephon Gilmore in here. If Maybe not, Arden Key. Trading, trading for uh, 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 from for the Giants corner, uh, Bradbury. Bradbury. Bradbury, so yeah. So that's also in the conversation. That's something we wouldn't have had Tyreek gotten that uh, expensive contract here in Kansas City. So I feel like this team is getting more of a complete uh, – complete feel instead of just being offensive heavy i feel like we're gonna be equal overall now and this is this will have the, this will essentially fast track orlando brown jr's contract, contract extension yes, as well we might see his yeah. contract yeah. by training camp oh yeah. i think there's no question about it because if they don't get it done i think there's a certain cutoff that you can't i think i think you have to wait a certain period of time mm-hmm. if i'm not mistaken if you don't get it done in and i time. think that's one of the main reasons they restructured joe tooney too Joe's, yes yeah. they stretched so out think, nine and a half so million. Orlando Brown's contract i, I do believe year, he's it's coming he's it's worth coming. every penny too yes. joe tooney is oh, worth bro, every especially penny especially when he stepped up and you know filled other roles when he was you know playing with when the orlando broken brown, hand all year when orlando yeah. brown went down uh, yeah. was there yeah. Like, yeah. filled in on the Bengals game yeah he's playing with the broken hand and you you have two you have two guys creed humphrey and trey smith you're paying pennies on right now so you can spend that money on joe tooney and the right tackle yeah. was also being 
we have yeah we have no idea who's even gonna be the starting right, right tackle, tackle right now like whoever it's gonna be you're not gonna be spending big money big on money, exactly you know we've, we've, we've seen right the top tackle. tier right tackles go you're probably gonna draft a guy probably gonna have Andrew Wiley start there for a while uh, you know you have depth I'm, pieces there you added I'm okay recently I'm okay with it yeah it, so like yeah. I said overall the big picture I think. That the Chiefs are going to be more of a complete team. We I did think sign another it's more. It's this team is going to be more of a threat this season after the Tyreek Hill trade than with Tyreek Hill. Yeah. And Tyreek Hill would have instilled that 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 obviously that that fear on defenses. But like I said, it wouldn't be it would be offensive heavy to where Patrick Mahomes and and that offense had to everything had had to go right for them in order to win games. Now I feel like. It can go either right or wrong in either way, and I think we'll still come up with the. Well, victory, when you have so. a transcendent player at quarterback, which is very rare in this yeah. league, there's only a handful that come every few decades, honestly. And Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes just happens to be one of those transcendent special uh, talents at the quarterback position. You just don't overpay for skill players, man. You just don't. You you can't. There's no success story of any uh, Super Bowl franchise that won multiple Super Bowls or had Super Bowl chances for years. That overpaid for skill players. You don't overpay for running backs. You don't overpay for receivers. I know the trend right now is that receivers are getting the bag because this is a pass-heavy league and things are starting to change in this game. So $30 million a year might become the new norm for the special top-tier receivers. They can go play for trash teams. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't care, man. Like the Chiefs won this more than uh, than the than the Dolphins yes. did. They absolutely <laughs> did. You just don't. Like I, I made a Facebook post. Like all the teams that overpay for like skill players, they are bad teams. Uh, 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 Cardinals. They haven't won shit in the longest time. They went overpay for DeAndre Hopkins, who's been nothing but banged up since he's been there, pretty mm-hmm. much. He's he, he's great. Don't get me wrong. When he's healthy. He's great, but they haven't won shit. Raiders just overpaid for Dante Adams. No one thinks they're going to win this division. No one thinks they're a Super Bowl favorite. <coughs> cool. You can have them. Green Bay is going to move on. Aaron Rodgers is still going to be great this year, probably with whatever receivers they have, because he's that he's a transcendent talent. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then you know, so and then the Miami Dolphins. Over in my mind, overpaying for a guy that's aging and depends too much on his speed, and that's going to decrease as these next few years go on. The Chiefs are going to be fine because what we have a transcendent talent at quarterback. That's the that's that's what matters the most to me. Bringing guys that are bringing the Juju's, bringing the Jarvis Landers as possible, bringing the the Valdez Scanlings. And Pat's going to get the best out of those guys. And let's say Juju works out even better than what we hope. I'm just saying. Let let's just he's a pretend, right? If he clicks with Patrick Mahomes, you don't think the Chiefs are going to go out there next year and say, "Hey, what would it take for us to keep you here a yeah. long term right. for long term?" Right. His mark is going to go up significantly high if he has like a 12, 1300 yard season, eight, nine touchdowns. It's not going no, to be nowhere near to what. Not uh, Tyreek's. No, no, no. Because I don't think I don't think Juju's a wide receiver one. I think he's a very good wide receiver two. two. Yeah, I think so. that's what he is. And then the, the irony of all this, man, I got to put it like not a, not to put a bow on this because I think we got a lot more to discuss when it comes to this. Is the irony of Tyreek Hill gets his gets his Super Bowl, the Chiefs win it where in Miami? Mm-hmm. Like it was just kind of like poetic how that all like took place. He made the biggest play of the game on Wasp, yeah. and that's the point I was going to make about Tyreek too about why he was so special here in Kansas City as well. And I don't mean to talk shit. about him like he's dead, but like, three hours the era's done before I really expected it to be done. I felt this era was going to go on for at least two more years. Yeah. Um, but 
And I felt that Travis Kelsey was going to be gone before Tyreek just because of age. But yeah. that's how the weirdness of the NFL is in this offseason. But think about like all the craziness uh, that has gone on just the last three seasons. You know, Tyreek gets injured in 2019, the very first week of the season. Shoulder injury against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Sammy Watkins has this hum- humongous three touchdown game, right? Yeah, We're thinking, oh shit, Sammy's going to be the guy we've all been, you know, yeah. waiting on to be. And no, that doesn't happen. No, Tyreek comes back, has 860 yards, and I think eight touchdowns. And only like 11 weeks of, of football. And it was just unbelievable to see what he did. He has all these humongous plays, you know, run. You've got time to run Wasp. Goes to who? Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you get, uh, 2018, Ed, you and I were at that game against the Ravens. Fourth and nine. Fourth and nine, yeah. Patrick was running for his life. Matthew Judon's all up on his ass. Chucks it across to who? Tyreek Hill goes and makes the play of the game. And it just goes on. Uh, Chad Henney fills in for Patrick Mahomes against the Cleveland Browns in the 2020 divisional round. Goes to who? Tyreek Hill. The left-hand toss. The the play that saved our season just this last year against the Packers, third and ten. Who does it go to? Tyreek Hill. So trust me when I say we can sit here, and I, I, again, I'm feeling better as the week has gone on. I'm sitting here trusting the – but these are huge shoes to fill. And the Chiefs are going to have to figure out ways to close big games out in a different way now. They're going to have to figure out a new way because Tyreek Hill was always that answer. He was always that guy. Travis Kelsey would make big plays, but when you needed the play, I felt it always went to – I always felt like it went to Cheetah, man. Yeah. I always felt that like he was that guy. So now, Trevor, I think you make a good point about this, man, about the transcendence, about how you have these guys. Aaron Rodgers, they wouldn't shock me at all if Aaron Rodgers still threw for 4,500 yeah. yards and yeah. 30 touchdowns. Because he's, he's just – yeah, they find yeah. ways. But you also want to make it as easy as possible for these guys because I guarantee you, even though Patrick Mahomes probably was like okay fine do it i guarantee you this man wasn't happy about this trade and we're not done yet because he knew that he knew the value of tyreek hill more than anybody oh yeah i I was gonna say (coughs) and we haven't even mentioned that the head coach that we have somehow finds stars at wide receiver we got tyreek in the fifth round yeah we got right so somehow we can't forget the fact that uh andy reed is a genius when it comes to receivers and he's he's pretty much had a star in, uh, with with the with the Eagles and then with uh, with the Chiefs, so at least made someone into a yeah, star. Yeah, and made someone who yeah. you did not expect to be a star. So I I really feel like th- th- this team it's gonna find its next wide receiver star, and I'm just gonna be here for well, it, man. I'll tell you guys this: I don't know if you guys saw the tweet I put out there. I dug way deep into Andy Reid's career. Mm-hmm. Twenty three years as a head coach, Andy Reid has only taken a wide receiver Two. in the first round twice. twice. Yeah. Twice, and one of them was Jerry, Jeremy Macklin in 2009. The other was Freddie Mitchell in 2001. We know that Jeremy Macklin ended up becoming a baller in this league, but that says something. That says something about Andy Reid's ability, like you just said, to be able to get the most out of receivers that at times looked like low value, low market, low expectation guys, and ended up becoming something that is a pivotal character in that. Now, to your point about Tyreek Hill, Trevor, yeah, fifth round pick, sure, but I think we all knew that he had the talent to be a second. Second round, Early first second. round pick. Uh, of course. Because the only reason he fell that far is because of the off-field issues that we thought he was having. So I, yeah, 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 but I mean, I will say this too. I mean, you talk about Jeremy Macklin and whoever else. <coughs> Who was the other guy, Freddie Mitchell? Freddie yeah. Mitchell, no so, one. I mean, two guys that were obviously had good careers, uh, and he got the best out of them with okay talent at quarterback. Now he's going to be getting the best out of these guys with arguably the best talent ever at quarterback. you got to think about that yeah. too. So we can go get a first-round guy, a second-round guy, wide receiver, 
And who knows what Patrick Mahomes well, can get out of these we guys. We talk about all the time about Albert Wilson got paid because of what? Patrick Mahomes. Patrick uh, we talk about Byron Briggle getting that $6 million guarantee from the Bears. Wilson got paid with the with the Dolphins. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, yeah, that's another ironic thing about it. But, yeah, you're right. Like, I, I agree with you, Trevor. From my, my concern, because like you just said about you don't want to waste seasons with Patrick Mahomes, that's why I was worried about trading Tyreek Hill because I felt initially you letting that type of talent go yeah, yeah, yeah. could be the, lead, the, the the opening of that door. So I just want to make sure that Brett Veach answers the bell. And to me, the best way of replacing Pat Tyreek Hill, because again, you can't just do a one-for-one one and say, oh, that just replaced Tyreek Hill. There are no other Tyreek Hills. Yeah. The best way of doing it is what you just said, yeah. Eddie, about replacing it through the defense. You've got to stack the defense. I understand there was a meltdown in the second half of that AFC Championship against mm-hmm. the Bengals, but we all have to acknowledge the fact the defense couldn't get pressure on Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. They couldn't get him on the ground when just a week ago he almost got double-digit sacks. Yeah. So you have to stockpile pressure on the other quarterbacks, especially even more so now because the AFC just got that much better at quarterback. Justin Herbert's got another year under his belt. Derek Carter's got arguably the best receiver in football on his team. You have uh, uh, Russell Wilson coming to your division, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Lamar Jackson's going to be healthy. Joe Burrow just played in the Super Bowl. You know his confidence was already sky high. He's feeling even better about himself with a better offensive line. Deshaun Watson is going to play eventually with the Browns, and that is a very talented team. With a great offensive line, by the way. The Colts just got Matt Ryan, a wily veteran who every single year damn near throws 4,000 yards. I mean, he's had 4,000 yards in 12 of the last 13 seasons. Bills are still the Unbelievable. Yeah. So the point I'm trying to make is you have a surefire Hall of Famer and quarterback who's in the prime of his career. You still have Travis Kelsey, a great offensive line with the mind of a, ma- a madman at, co- at head coach and Andy Reid with, I think, solidified the best three head coaches in the division just in this team alone. Yeah. A lot of advantages here, but god damn, do they got to get better at getting to the quarterback. And and, and this they're nowhere near close, which is why I still stand on this rock, guys. I still stand on this hill, and I will gladly die on it because of the fact, even more so, they just added all these picks. Trade whatever you can to get Josh Allen from Jacksonville. I'm preaching it, man. I know they can go and draft a guy. I don't think you have to trade that much to get him. <laughs> that's my point. Fourth, even more so. fourth and, and a fifth, you'd get him. Okay, let's say that's Josh the case. Allen. Let's say that's the case. fourth and a fifth. That's a common sense move, again, with the relationships you have with Jacksonville, with Doug Peterson, Joe Cullen coming over here. Because they just paid the it, shit ton of receivers and other players, and they have to I mean, extend fuck. him so, coming up soon, so yeah. I think we can extend him. They had to cut Miles Jack for cap casualty. I'm saying. So and they know the they're going to pay is, him. Yes, so you give Jacksonville more draft picks to build their team around Trevor Lawrence. I know people are thinking this it's is nuts, draft. but it's really not. Because remember just a year ago, around this time, we were sitting here saying, there's no way the Ravens would trade Orlando Brown Jr. Yeah. to the Chiefs. And what happens? Yeah. They, they fucking get the guy. Yeah. So my point I'm making is I think it's a realistic scenario. I think it's the best scenario because as, as I've been preaching, I prefer what ifs or what what ours as opposed to what ifs. Josh Allen, we know what he is. This guy can be a premier pass rusher. He's 24, soon to be 25 years old, still in his rookie deal. Chiefs can maximize because as we know, the Chiefs are now, we, we have a tendency fact, uh, a meter here when it comes to Brett Veach and where he spends and where he doesn't spend. Where he likes to spend is offensive line and defensive line. He hasn't been great at defensive line, but he spends money there. We've seen that with with Chris Jones and now with Frank Clark, obviously getting their humongous Protect contracts. Quarterback, get after the yes. quarterback. So what do you do? The Stay trenches. on brand. Yeah. Go and get Josh Allen. Trade whatever you do. If it was a fourth or fifth, holy shit, Trevor! You, oh my god, I would love to see the Chiefs only have to give up a fourth. I don't and a think fifth. you have to give up too much to get him. I, I, I think it would take a first round pick. I do. I do yeah, because I they took him seventh overall just four years Amari ago. Amari Cooper just got 
got for five. But that's because of his contract. He had $20 million a year but on I mean, his contract. But they know they're going to have to pay him next year. Right. I'm saying, though, that with, with giving, the, giving positional value, we know that the defensive edge, edge rush, is more valuable than wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the Chiefs would have to do. Let's say they have to give up the 30th overall pick. Are we crying about that? No. no. We're all stoked as hell because they just got a first-round value player at 24 years old, and then you mm-hmm. go and give him a four-year deal worth yeah. $80 million. You got yourself shirt up you at edge RDT, rush. He's a 25-year-old uh, uh, pass rusher. Get Arden Key, you have, and then Frank Clark becomes immediately becomes a rotational rotational guy. piece. Go get Melvin yep. Ingram back. Yep. All of a sudden, you have a respectable defensive run. Do I think there'll be a top ten in sacks? Draft no. draft a guy in the but second if, round. If you can go from 29th yeah. to 16th, this defense they're in the Super Bowl again. Yeah, that's the only like I get it. They had a meltdown. Patrick Holmes played like shit in the second half, but it shouldn't always have to be. Whether if Patrick Holmes is historic or not historic, that's the determining factor where the Chiefs should win. Yeah. No, he he should be able to have average to bad games sometimes and still be able to win. Little, How many times do we see Tom Brady have bad games in the playoffs and they still find a way to win because they're defense? Yeah. Look at Eli Manning. Yes, exactly. Two Won Super two Bowl. Super Bowls as a bad quarterback granted, in those games. Granted, the league has definitely changed since sure. those days. No, I guess. And but defense do win championships. Defense. Yeah. defense. It, it was from. I mean. True. That is that is, and then that still holds true. Mostly, most most of the, even the last handful of Super Bowls we've seen mm-hmm. the defensive, like when we got our asses beat by the Bucks, that defense was insane, the best defensive line in the league. So that definitely getting after the quarterback is damn near the biggest formula to winning Super Bowls as it is having a transcendent quarterback. They're almost, I mean, it's, I would still take the transcendent quarterback, but having a team that leads the league in sacks and gets after the quarterback better than anybody, that is, that gives you the best. Look odds. at the math. Look at the yeah. math. Tom Brady has won seven Super Bowls. Never once did he win any of those Super Bowls without at least the eighth best defense in the league. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes has won one Super Bowl so far. Never had he, a superstar receiver he, outside of Randy Moss, and they didn't true, win the Super but Bowl. Yeah, exactly. That should, that should show you how important yeah. defense is. Yeah. Pa- Patrick Mahomes has one Super Bowl win. That year, the Chiefs finished seventh in defense. It's that simple. Yeah. Patrick, and you know what's funny? Patrick Mahomes had his worst statistical year that year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know he missed games, but even if he'd have played all 16 that year, Shit, he would have still finished with less than what he the had in 2018 and 2020. Insane, yeah. In 2018, 2019, or 2018, 2020, and 2021, Patrick Holmes had significantly better seasons than he had in 2019. But what mattered? He had what he could rely on on the defensive side. The Chiefs could get after the quarterback and guard the pass. And what they do? They go out there and win the fucking Super Bowl. And it's even more imperative now because you're not going to be facing Ryan Tannehill and the Titans in the, in the AFC Championship anymore. No. no you're going to be facing a Hall of Fame quarterback after Hall of Fame quarterback to even get there. Yeah. That's what's going to happen here. The Chiefs' road is that much tougher. And I say bring it the fuck on because I believe in this team better than more than any other team still. It hurts losing Tyreek Hill. But damn you guys got the homer out of me again, man, because I truly believe these little small moves are all we need because I've been preaching this too. Even before the Tyreek Hill move, I said, these teams are overspending on veteran We're free agents while they're zagging, bro. because they have to just get within arm's reach they're of the Chiefs. right now. We're playing yes. for the next 10 years. They're doing what they can just to get in arm's reach. Yeah. The Chiefs are already there. So now you got to do what you got to do to even get to where they are. These teams have caught up a little bit. We have to admit that. But if I'm going to sit here right now, and let's say this is September today, we're, we're ready for the prediction show. I am picking the Chiefs to win the AFC West, and I would have them as one of the top two to three seeds in the AFC. And that's right now. Wait till we make. We yeah. got moves to make, man. You're, you're preaching now. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like we're, we're talking about some real shit here. Yeah. So I'm still fired up. I still have not lost hope in this team. And was I angry? Hell yeah. Still a little bit am. Yeah. 
Because I'm not ready to give up on what Tyreek was to this offense. Hurts, man. But I can give this team a little bit of faith because of what Brett Veach did last offseason with overcorrecting and killing it on the offensive line and getting key assets to help this team better their chances to get to another Super Bowl. They failed. I believe this team can get back there. And I think there's a couple key pieces that we've been kind of dropping hints on that I want to segment to, and then we'll get to the Eddie Hour. So we did see that the Chiefs did go out and get Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Mar- Marquez. 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 I, yeah, Marquez, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Marquez? It's Marquez. So now, oh, uh, who's correcting everybody? Oh, every my bad. Hey, shout out, shout out to Bobby Stroop, Chiefs per- uh, yeah. Patrick Holmes' personal trainer. Shout out to Bobby Stroop. He actually had a great tweet this week because when they signed Marquez Valdez-Scantling, he said, man, the Chiefs got three lawyers yeah. now on their team. Mark was about his Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and Judas Smith-Schuster. Got a so, bunch of lawyers on the team. Yeah. Go ahead, Eddie. <laughs> so apparently the Chiefs are working on a trade with uh, the Giants for Bradbury. That's great. So That's, that's great. So that's what they're working on right now. Well, I'd uh, rather have Gilmore, but I, I like Bradbury a lot. While, while, I, while I go here and run my mouth a little bit, Eddie, run, go and look up his career numbers real quick. If you can, just go look up and see what his stats are, because I can't okay. honestly tell you, but I do know he had a really good season last year with the Giants. But the Chiefs did go and get Mar- Marquez Valdez-Scantling from the Packers, who was a free agent. The Chiefs gave him a three-year, $30 million deal. It has incentives to up to $36 million, but it's essentially, like Trevor said, and our guy Arrowhead Live, who, by the way, has had a great week. I'm going to give him some shout-outs in a second. <laughs> it's essentially a two-year, $18 million deal. I will say this. I do stand firm on this. He's one of the best field stretchers in the league, man. I, I like the pick, or I like the pickup. I think the Chiefs got themselves a nice galloper downfield, yep. which is Patrick. What Patrick Holmes needs still four. stretch the field. Yeah, he's uh, Clay. Our, our producer Clay Windler had a great tweet today that I actually want to give him credit for because it, it did give me it helped with my uh, my uh, my stomach ailment after I saw them give up nine million a year to Marquez Valdez Scantling, forty plus yard catches since twenty eighteen. Yes, Tyreek Hill has twenty two, which we all know. Mm-hmm. Marquez, Marquez Valdez Scantling has 18. Yeah. And you're talking about a significant and difference bro, in targets. Bro, he was fourth on the Packers in target share. Yeah. Fourth. Tyreek is our, was, was our premier so receiver. So if Marquez is second in our team in target share in the offense, he's going to throw. And think about it, too. I know I know Tyreek was incredible at his ball tracking seals, but regardless of what we think about Tyreek, he was undersized. So all those deep balls that Tyreek went up and got, it's going to be that much easier for Marquez to go get it. He's six foot four. Yeah. He's almost a half body, a half Tyreek body taller than Tyreek was, you know. So that that's going to make Patrick's job a little easier on those those ch- those deep chuck it balls where he can go get up and get it. He's six foot four, runs a four two. A couple things I'm worried about when it comes to MVS. I'm just going to call him that because I don't want to get his name wrong. But MVS, mm-hmm. th- there's just a couple things, and we talked about this this week. He played with Aaron Rodgers, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. He played there for four seasons with Aaron Rodgers. Devontae Adams was the only premier target yeah. that. He Aaron had, right? Guys. Okay, he did. Him and the running backs. But it's hard for me to imagine that a guy that only really had to, I guess, go up against was one other premier target is going to come here and do better when you have two. Because Juju's going to get fed a lot this season. And we all know Travis is 100% getting his seventh 1,000-yard season. Consecutive 1,000-yard season. Yeah, McColl. Yes, exactly. Thank you. So my point is... It's just hard for you to imagine. You look at his career highs. So in receptions, it was in 2018, he had 38. That's the highest he's had in a single season. Mm-hmm. Highest he had in yards was 690 in 2020. And then in touchdowns, was also in 2020, was six. And again, he was playing with a transcendent quarterback. Yeah. I'd get it if he was playing with like a Ryan Fitzpatrick or guys like that on bad teams. He just didn't really get an opportunity. But he was playing on a team that went to three straight NFC championships. Mm-hmm. I just... 
I have a hard time believing that this guy's going to come in here and just become this significant asset. I no. think he's going to be one of those boomer bust players. I, I heard somebody say that he's going to be like an Alvin Harper. Remember back with the Cowboys where if they needed that deep bomb every few weeks? He'll be that guy. I'm not really going to buy into this, and I just felt personally, and maybe my mind will change. You guys know that my mind does like to change. Nine million a year for a guy like that? Like, I, I, isn't it not alarming to you that the, the Packers, who just lost Devontae Adams, have no other proven commodities at wide receiver? Let him walk. Well, you know, the, he was saying that he, the Packers were offering him uh, 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 possibly more money. He chose the Chiefs because he wants to win. Sounds I awfully know, convenient. I know because you could say the Packers will win too, yeah. but without Devontae, I don't know. I, I'm not. I, I've never been the guy that was saying he was going to come in here and be like this massive. Big, you know, role or a big time, you know, playmaker for us. I think he's going to have big plays and spurts, uh, but I, I he's an, I think he's an important asset to what we needed. We needed another field stretcher, and he's outside of Tyreek, maybe the best in the league at stretching the field and, and, and deep targets. And he's six foot four, man. Do you like believe that, that's worth nine million a year, though? I think so. As for what the wide receiver market is right now, what guys are getting right yeah. now, I, I mean. Eighteen million over two years is not that much for me. I don't think that's that big of a deal, especially with us having the most cap space, us having these, you know, these draft guys, these draft picks that we can move around. I think he's a good fit. I think he. I think a lot. I mean, a lot of teams were trying. The Saints were trying to get him. All these teams were trying to get him. He wanted to come here. I like having guys that want to be here. He's fast. He's tall. He can make plays. Um, and he's. I mean, I just. I think he's going to be a good asset to this offense. Um, and who knows, man? We still have other pieces to to, to acquire here. Who knows if we go draft another top tier receiver in this draft? Um, he becomes kind of a, more of an obsolete guy. But I, I don't think he's going to be like a weekly guy where he's making a play. I think he's going to be a guy every two to three weeks makes a giant play, a big touchdown, a big key play in the in a game, and that's going to be enough for me. I'll take that. If he if he ends the season with like you know eight touchdowns and like. 850 yards, that's a huge win for me. And I think that's definitely possible for him this year. I think he's going to have a 850 lot yards? Because of the deep plays. I think he can rack up yards on a few receptions per game. And I think that's definitely possible for him. Because, look, his yard, he was, I think he was averaging like 18 yards a catch with the Packers. 18 yards a catch. I will take that all day. Man. I just don't know where he's going to get fed enough to do that, though, because, again, you're going from a team that had just one guy uh-huh. to now having potentially three. Yes, I'm saying, but that's kind of what but I that, like. I yeah. like this next step for Pat to kind of challenge Pat to now spread the ball around. Now open the field. Well, and then and think about it, too. He's going to be not as keyed in on as Tyreek was because everyone knew the deep that, that Tyreek was. But last year, Tyreek became more of a possession guy. He was more like the you know the the slants. Yeah, hundred eleven receptions. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. So he became more possessions receiver and was a guy that was moving the chains more frequently than being the deep threat. So now that's also because they were taking that top Juju off. Could yeah, be the, Juju could become that guy that Tyreek was last year with the you know the quick possession <gasps> moving the chains. Yep. And we have two legitimate deep threat burners in, in McColl and Valdez Valdez Scantling. One's t- extremely tall. One's really fast and good with the ball in his hands after the catch. Oh, Juju's quick too. So you got three guys that That's can be considered three burners. Fast, yeah, yeah, yeah. Three yeah. fast. And Juju, what I like about Juju is Juju is, is, is a tough bastard. Yeah, I think NBA yeah. he likes ran the contact. A, he ran a what four four? I think. Yeah, it was yeah right under four four. It was like yeah. four Juju's three. Juju's a playmaker, which is fast. what he's he's gonna be that Sammy Watkins role, which is I fully believe that's what he's gonna be. He's that really good up the seam, really good at catching and going. Can take a hit and keep going. Is good in the red zone. I I love the acquisition. Juju's gonna have a big year this year. I hope he, uh, he records a TikTok in the headline. Hell take, yeah. I'll take all the TikToks, baby. Well, and then and to add to the, the, the bolstering of the offense or trying to re-bolster the offense, if you will, the, the biggest thing we talked about in the AFC Championship, what frustrated us offensively, was the fact that the Chiefs just refused to run the ball in the yeah. second half. And we've been petitioning for multiple years now since he left that 
If the Chiefs get an opportunity to go get Kareem Hunt back, they should go get him. Well, that is no longer a reality because of the fact that not only is he still currently on the Browns roster, I don't expect him to be, but currently he still is, but also the Chiefs decided to go and make themselves a nice move today. Uh, we had heard, I'm going to give uh, credit to where credit is due, our guy Arrowhead Live, my guy Grant, uh, had already dropped the news yesterday on Twitter. He said that the Chiefs were expected to sign uh, Ronald Jones from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And this morning it did drop because the verified accounts decided to make it official. Uh, that The Chiefs are signing Ronald Jones to a one-year deal. Now, when it comes to Ronald Jones, I have a lot of, I have a lot of thoughts on this, even though uh, I, I feel that it should just be universally considered a great move in itself. But... Ronald Jones is, is not coming off a great season. Right. Um, he, uh, he, he had uh, 428 yards rushing off 101 rushes yet last season. Only 10 receptions for 64 yards and only four total touchdowns in 16 games. He was the backup to Lenny for that. Yeah, and Leonard Fournette's obviously a really good running back, so we understand it. But the positives on this are, are far – they far outweigh the negatives in this. Uh, I do know that Ronald Jones has had some fumbling problems in his career. Yep. I know he's had some drop problems as well when it comes to catching the ball out of the backfield. But I do think that it has a lot to do with how the Buccaneers were, were handling him where they were throwing him in cold and expecting him to play hot. Like you said, Leonard Fournette was one getting the bulk of the carries. I even think they had Giovanni Bernard last season yeah. too when Ronald Jones got hurt. So it was really hard for Ronald Jones to find that rhythm. I think in Kansas City, that opportunity is there for a multitude of reasons. One, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has not been the first-round back we expected him to be or a lot of us wanted him to be. And that's okay because now it's going to become a rotational thing, which I think is at its, I think that's the best situation imaginable because in today's NFL, it's more of a running back by committee type of, type of effort unless you have a great running back like Derrick Henry or even Aaron Jones, as great as he is. You saw the Packers utilize him with the one back and forth, back and forths. So unless you have one of those types of guys, it's really okay to do it this way. And the biggest reason why I love having Ronald Jones on this roster is to bring back the whole Kareem Hunt comparison. Mm -hmm. Body-wise, they're almost the exact same guy. Kareem Hunt is 5'11", 201 pounds. Mm -hmm. Ronald Jones is 5'11", 207 pounds. So essentially is the same exact body build. And we saw back in 2018 that Kareem Hunt, 2017 too, when he led the league in rushing, 27 and 2018, Kareem Hunt was the perfect running back for the Andy Reid offense. Perfect. Made the first guy miss every time. Which is why we always wanted him. He was hard as hell to tackle. He was a yards muncher. He would always get these frustratingly, I can imagine being the opposite side of things, just a frustratingly great player and finding space, big bodied, able to, like you said, make the first tackle miss. All these things. I see that in Ronald Jones. I'm not saying he's Kareem Hunt yet. Because Kareem Hunt, I think right as it stands, Kareem Hunt is the better running back. But even Kareem Hunt had to take a back seat to Nick Chubb over the last two years with the Browns. So I think there's advantages here that Ronald Jones has that even Kareem Hunt doesn't have with the Browns. I think he's got an opportunity here to become running back one and be that premier piece that the Chiefs have been missing out of the backfield for the last three years. And we all know that how great Kareem Hunt was and how valuable he was over the last three, the first two years with the Chiefs. Imagine that here in Kansas City once again, especially as more important as it is with Tyreek Hill now out of the equation. You have that type of back again. Like imagine having Kareem Hunt back then without Tyreek Hill now. Like it would be such a relief to have that. Well, there is an opportunity here. Maybe Ronald Jones isn't that guy. Again, the Chiefs only got him on a one-year deal, so it's a very proven deal. But guys, we all love these deals. Do we not love the fact that Juju and Mark uh, Marquez, Mar- he got a multi-year deal, but we all know that they can get out of that fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Ronald Jones, one-year deal. Like, all these one-year deals keep these guys on their toes to perform at their best. 
And if you can't do it in Kansas City, it's going to be really hard for people to believe you're going to do it anywhere else. So I'm signing off on this one. I really like this one. I hope I love this one. I'm willing to give him a chance. I'm keeping my expectations moderate. But, man, I really hope this pans out to become that Kareem Hunt second act. Because if he becomes that at 24 years old, maybe the Chiefs want to keep him around for a couple more years. I, I love this thing. I, I'm a fan of Rojo. He has the only thing that, that's giving me pause is the fumbling problem. Because I've watched a lot of his, his, his game. I watched a lot of Bucks games. And I watched him for fantasy purposes, too, because I'm an avid fantasy player. So I'm always keeping an eye on these guys and what they do and everything. So he has had some fumbling issues, which is why he kind of lost his job to Leonard Fournette. Granted, Leonard Fournette had a great year last year. Um, and he might still be the better player at this moment in time. But yeah. Rojo has a lot of promise still. I know he's a younger guy still. And what I love about this signing, what I love about these kinds of signing in particular, is guys that are coming from other teams that were either demoted or lost their their number one duties. Like Juju, Juju was the number one receiver there for a, for a couple of years there in, in the Pittsburgh, and then they Chase. signed, then they signed um, uh, uh, Chase Claypool, came Claypool and um, uh, Deontay Johnson. So, yeah. uh, and who is the number one there? So he got demoted by two different guys. So Juju's got a massive chip on his shoulder, has a big year to prove contract year. We're signed. We just signed another running back on a one year deal, kind of a prove it deal to so go out there and bang it out. A guy that got demoted and lost his starting role to Leonard Fournette, right? And granted, he, they went and won a Super Bowl, so he's probably fine with that. But he also has a chip on his shoulder. He's coming into an office he knows he can thrive in. He is the perfect size. What I love about him is I love about his prototypical type of running back, which is he is the opposite of what Clyde is. Clyde's the the more kind of a not as a he's, he's elusive, but he's a smaller guy, more of a scat back kind of um, pass catcher. But Ronald Jones can also catch passes, like you said, similar to Kareem Hunt. But he's also a really strong yards after contact guy, and he has a great burst ability. If he finds that gap and he hits it, that dude is going. He had a ninety. I remember in twenty twenty, he had a ninety eight yard run. It was incredible, dude. It was it was Nick Chubb esque. It was he was gone ninety eight yard touchdown run. Um, so it, yeah, he has that burst ability to where he can if he sees that opening gap, he will hit it and he'll hit it hard. And he's fast in the open field and he's big and bulky and strong. So um, yeah, that's definitely what we've been missing. He's an upgrade from Daryl Williams, if you ask me. Um, they, he, they, he can catch the ball like Daryl Williams could. Daryl Williams obviously showed last year that he's a very good pass catcher. Um, evolved into that. But Ronald Jones is going to be a guy that's going to be ready to go game one. I really, really believe that. And with our run blocking um, prowess that we have up front now, I wouldn't be surprised if we run the ball a little bit more this year than we normally have. Not saying that we're not going to be a pass first offense because that's Patrick Mahomes. We're absolutely going to be that. But I can see him catching, you know, 30 balls. I can see him catching 30 balls, you know, for, you know, a couple touchdowns and then running the ball for, you know, maybe maybe 750 and being that great, you know, thunder to lightning, lightning to thunder with Clyde. I think he's a great acquisition, um, especially after we, we you know, let Daryl walk. I think he's a great a great guy to bring in and be that that, that second backup piece to, uh, to Clyde. Who knows? He can win the job. Yeah. That could definitely happen. Man, I love the signing. Uh and we gotta look at look look at uh, what uh, Rojo has done with the Bucks and the past two seasons. If I'm not mistaken, he's had over a thousand yards each season from scrimmage. Hit back to back one thousand yeah. before last season. Yeah. Before last season, yeah. yeah. So 2020 was his best year. No, you can't overlook that. So this is what the Chiefs need. They need they need somebody uh, who can compete with Clyde, who can put that competition with Clyde, saying, "Hey, Clyde, uh, if 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 you don't perform." We have this other player who, who who's willing and ready to perform to the level that you're not performing for us right now. Mm-hmm. So that added, that added competition to Clyde, I hope it elevates both these running backs to what we expect them to see. And now with Tyreek Hill gone, 
I really think this offense can change to where uh, we can ex- uh, explode uh, Clyde to what his uh, uh, to what he does to where uh, pass, yeah, the passing Absolutely. game. We can actually finally utilize him in the passing game because we can't. Re- uh, well, we can rely on the receivers, <coughs> but we also can rely on, on the passing game for the running backs. So yep. the options are going to be a lot more for this offense, and, and, and I'm liking every every second of it. And I think both him and Clyde are really good at receiving. Uh, I, I think they're, they're – I don't know if they're hand-to-hand, but they're really good uh, with receiving from, from the back. So him adding that power running back that we need, obviously for those early long downs mm-hmm. – uh, it's it's what we what this team needed, uh, or the end zone where we're close to like the or let's say the five yard line. Third we need and that, ones, yeah, the third and ones. We need that big that big running back that can get those eat those yards. You know, just pushing and pushing yeah. and pushing that offense back. So th- this is this is a great addition for the Chiefs, and, and I'm liking the way this team is going. Well, and I'm, I'm looking at numbers now, and even as I mean over the last three years, Ronald Jones obviously missed a lot. Uh, didn't play as much last season with only 428 yards. But he actually has outperformed Kareem Hunt over the last three years. Now, again, Kareem Hunt's been been behind Nick Chubb. I get that. But when you know that you are for sure going to get touches like Kareem Hunt does, and we didn't know that Ronald Jones was over this last couple of years, in particular this last year, Mm -hmm. for him to still have uh, three more touchdowns over the last three seasons than Kareem Hunt, that does tell me something. Now He's got big play upside, which I like. Yeah, full disclosure here. If I had to choose between Kareem Hunt and Ronald Jones, I'm taking Kareem Hunt because I know what he can be in this offense, and I think he's just the better back. But I think that there can be – when. When given the opportunity in this particular offense, I think Ronald Jones could show similar skill sets. Because, again, body type, yep. they're the same dude, and they can get utilized the same exact Great way. burst. Yes, exactly. Yep. So I know that there's a lot of people, when I put that out there today, about Ronald Jones and Kareem Hunt and how I try to like draw comparisons. People are, well, what are you talking about? There's there's no comparisons. I actually think there will be. Yeah. I, I'm not saying he's going to put up you know, 14, 15 touchdowns by the bye week this year. No, I don't believe that. We've been missing that big but burst we've missing that. plays from the running yes. backs. Yeah, we haven't guys had a, that'll run over. Guys. We haven't had a back like this with the skills and size yep. since Kareem Hunt. So I think he could become that what we have been missing. And we're getting him at the perfect time. Like I said, right. he's got a chip on his shoulder. He's going from one championship caliber team to another. Uh, you know, and he's like, going to play with the best quarterback he's ever played with. So <laughs> really excited about that. Uh, the Bradbury the Bradbury uh, signing, if that does end up happening, I'll, I'll be very happy. I don't happy have Gilmore, but yeah, I like, th- I like th- that. Yes, this is, but this is what I'm talking about. We we know the positions that Ve- Veach wants to pay big money on. Yeah. We also know the ones he doesn't. And when I heard people talking about, oh, the Chiefs should go get J.C. Jackson, I, I didn't mean to laugh at people, but I'm like, guys, that is laughable. Because the Chiefs aren't going to spend that kind of money on a, on a quarterback. You're never going to see that unless uh, Jalen Ramsey comes about. And we saw the Chiefs are willing to trade up first-round capital to get Jalen Ramsey because he's a unicorn. If you got an opportunity to go get Jalen Ramsey, who's going to go down as one of the five to ten best corners to ever live, then yes, you go and try to get him. I'm not but, overpaying for corners, but, though. But G, yeah, J.C. Jackson, he's not that guy. He's really good. Really, really good. Not but I'm not spending $70, $80 million on well, him. Are you kidding what, me? We've no. seen what Veach can get out of unknown yes. corners. Look at Traveris Ward. He's got right. freaking paid. Rashad undrafted. Fitton. Rashad Fitton. Rashad Fitton. You know what I'm talking about? Like guys that you just don't even know who Did we even know who, who, who Sneed was before he got drafted? I didn't know who well, he Jerry was. Well, Sneed was a flyer pick, man. I'm a fourth-round pick and late that, in the and draft. And that is kudos to Spags, too, knowing right. how to utilize and getting – but that all starts up front, we guess. But I'm saying, like, you're not going to see this pressure. team overvalue the corner position. No, as you They'll should. go and get 
Veteran guys on a minimum, like a Brashad Brilliant, one-year, $4 million yeah. deal, things like that. You'll see those kind of signings. You won't see them go and give three- to five-year deals worth $85 to $100 million to a quarter. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. They build their defenses differently, and I respect it. But, Veach, if you're going to spend money on the on, on the on the defensive line, front seven, you got to hit them. Is Arden Keith right now town? Do I don't know if he's in town, but I know he, that he's been in town yesterday, yeah. I believe. He was here for a visit. So Arden <laughs> Key, the, the pass rusher oh, from... Yeah, yeah. Now, Arden Nothing Key yet. would be a, a good rotational piece. I, I would like it. Yeah, I, I was, I was talking to somebody that, that follows the Niners really well this week. Uh, they said that he, he lacks... Um, he doesn't really have a drive to be in the weight room a lot. According to what I don't pay attention Personal to the Niners. Motivation. Yes, he he struggles with that. That's why the Raiders got rid of him, believe it or not. They they didn't like the fact that he didn't take it as seriously in the weight room. Yeah. And we, we all love, know in today's football, yeah, today's athletes, man, you gotta be in the weight room. Yeah. This isn't the nineteen seventies where you can go out and have a Marlboro Red and a Scotch and then come back and play. Would you football. say that's, that's key? Yeah, booyah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> booyah. Yeah. Little, are you? little golf clap on that bitch. You know what I'm saying? No. That's the job. I would like, yes, this is Trevor's day. You know, he's feeling good. He's got a sheep, you know, the wool jacket sure. going on sure. and everything. He's feeling good about himself. I, I think uh, I think the key would be a nice rotational acquisition. I still think he'd be a guy though that I would I would I would put in there with the Derek Notties and yeah. guys like that. Third down, see what he can do. I do like. I was watching film on him. I do like that's what I see when it comes. Man. Yes, yeah. he's relentless. Yeah, he didn't make a ton of plays, but I was watching in particular a film of him against Joe Burrow, who's a statue in the pocket, albeit. But he pressured him about three or four times in about this eight nine minute video I was watching. Yeah. So that's good to see. Positive still, still more than negative. I would like to see that guy there, but I think overall the, the Chiefs have a lot more work to get, do at the defensive line. I think it starts, like I said, with making a big splash, which is ironic because we heard about a month and a half ago James Palmer, Tom Pelissero, guys like that talking about expect the Chiefs to make a big splash in defensive line. Yeah. Whenever you're all ready. You got the cap. Yet. Yeah. You got the cap space. You got a fuck ton of picks. Make it happen. It could come during drop Look, time. I'm giving you guys, look, I hope Brett Veach is watching us. I do know the Chiefs pay attention to our show, so I'm going to say this now. <laughs> Look, you guys, you got me you got me signed on now, okay? I was totally against it. I was calling your asses out for trading Tyreek Hill. Now that I know the full story, I understand. Do not let me down on this. You guys just traded away a foundational, cornerstone, all-time great player. Make sure that you capitalize on these picks. Whether you have to trade out on some of these, you still got a ton. Go get Josh Allen out of Jacksonville. Go and make it happen. Make shit happen and crush ass in this draft. That's literally all I'm asking, just to do your job. You guys have already put the pieces in place. You had a really good draft last year. You had a pretty decent one in 2020, or 2019, rather. Decent, not great. 2020 was amazing. By far your best. 2021, I'm saying. 2021, my bad. 2020 was decent. 2021 was amazing. Let's see 2022 kick some ass, be better than anything you guys have ever done. And build this team into a winning team for the next five to ten years. That's all I'm asking. I don't think that's very difficult. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But that's where we stand currently on some of the current draft. Or, I'm sorry, the, the current state of the Chiefs. I know we're going to get a ton of news. And as tradition holds, uh, we usually get news right at the very end of the show. So I, I can't wait to hear that the Chiefs sign Bradbury with uh, 30 seconds remaining on the Spoken Podcast episode 160. But that's how it goes around here. Eddie, what is in the Eddie Hour this week? Have you got time for me, my man? All right. So I got first question. Uh, obviously, we talked about Conor McGregor having, uh, calling out uh, Usman. Was it Usman? Yeah. Yeah, Usman uh, last week. <coughs> well, there's a fighter that just uh, joined the list who's called out Conor McGregor, and that is Henry Cejudo. 
and I want to I want to get your thoughts on that and and let's say that that was a potential bout. Who do you see winning? What do you see? If if, if McGregor fought Cejudo, yeah, I take Cejudo. Look, I don't mean to shit on McGregor here. I, I I know that he can still win fights, but you guys realize the last fight Conor McGregor won in the UFC was against Donald Cerrone, a guy that, that that will take any fight at any given time who's become a punching bag. Donald Cerrone was really good back in the day, yeah. like eight years ago. He's been out of his prime for the longest time. In his prime, he wasn't a great fighter. He was good. So I, I'm giving him a little too much praise for saying he's great. He wasn't. He was a good fighter. He's entertaining as hell. But we all know what he's there for. We all know the assignment. He's there to fight a guy that's supposed to beat his ass and he's going to make a paycheck. He beat the shit out of Donald Cerrone with, with his fucking shoulder. That should tell you where, where Donald Cerrone was at. That's the last fight McGregor won. That was, what, two years ago? Like, McGregor, it's not there anymore, man. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think it is. I would I would take Cejudo in a heartbeat. <laughs> and I bet the only reason McGregor would be the favorite is because he's the name. But Cejudo and Usman and all these other guys, fighting is what they got. They focus on that all year round. That's what they have. That's their brand. McGregor is a celebrity, a damn near mogul at this point. When was the last time you guys saw a UFC fighter take over the world like he has? Where he is one of the most recognizable figures in all of sports. That has never happened. Not even not even Chuck Liddell or Tito Ortiz. He's the most reached this fighter in yes. history for sure. And not even close. Mm -hmm. yep. So when people remember when people were trying to make the comparisons between him and Bones Jones and why, you know, McGregor's making all this money. I, what did I say? It's because of his marketability. The man knows how to sell a fight. Bones Jones does it. Yeah, he got the fight Mayweather. When, man, when Bones Jones and Cormier were doing their little beefs, they were so awkward. Yeah. They were weird. That's what's trash. They were weird. I think at one point so Bones Jones was trying to say, I'll eat you. Like weird shit. Like it wasn't even like, it was yeah. like, what the fuck? You All don't right. have Mark. Now, Bones Jones is significantly better than McGregor. I mean, Mike significantly. Tyson fun guys. I know, right? That's what I'm saying. Like there was a lot of, yeah, Mike Tyson wasn't really good at that either. That's why Mike Tyson was always <laughs> a silent man. type. He didn't know how to talk. It was very <laughs> weird. Yeah, yeah he, was, he was a weird dude You're when it comes to stuff like that. That's what I'm saying. McGregor has that ability. McGregor, Chael Sonnen could have been one of those guys, but he just didn't have the talent. Chael was a great shit talker. He was a great shit talker. You couldn't market him like a champ because he never really was that guy. McGregor is. That's why people still want to see him. And I speak for myself. Whenever McGregor's on a card, I can't miss it because I want to see what happens because he has chances for greatness. But he's no longer the guy that we saw four, five, six years ago when he was fighting Josie Aldo and knocking him out in 16 seconds because Josie Aldo was a god amongst men. And then he did that, and you're thinking, holy shit, what can't he do? Well, he went out and made hundreds of millions of dollars, and he lost the, the lust for competition. I don't blame him. It's just like the Tyreek Hill thing. You don't want to win Super Bowls or contend for him. You want to go make money. Great, go do that. But th you're not going to be the same guy anymore. That's how it goes. So in the longest way imaginable, Eddie, give me Cejudo. Give me Usman. Give me the guy down the street that's been practicing for 10 years. Oh, I'm taking him. Shit. It's McGregor all day, baby. Oh, it's Connor all day, baby. You already know, man. Yeah, that's, you already know I'm going to go on my, my guy's side. So I, I'm taking Connor all day if that God shit goes down. I'll put money on it. $50. Let's, Let's do go. it. Let's go. It's, Connor. Shake on it's that. Connor all day. Connor all day, huh? Yep. Like it. All right, let's go uh, Major League Baseball. Obviously, spring, uh, spring baseball is happening. Uh, spring training, whatever the fuck they call it. Rumspringer, uh, yeah. <laughs> is Bobby Wood Jr. ready for the majors? One hundred percent, yes. Absolutely, he's a stud. Yeah, Trevor talked about the trans, the transcendental wide or, or quarterbacks that come around once every couple decades. Guys, Bobby Wood is that guy in baseball. I, I really hope everybody understands this. 
I would talk about him the same way if he was playing for the fucking Marlins. Like, I, I don't care where he plays. He is special. And the Kansas City Royals finally got that guy. It's been since George Brett that they've had that guy. And even George Brett, here's the funny thing people forget. Before George Brett became the great player he now is, or once was, he had to get sent back to AAA. And then he came back and started tearing the cover off the ball and became a legendary baseball player. Bobby Witt, I don't even think that's going to have to happen to him. I think he's going to go to the majors at some point this season and tear the cover off the ball and make astounding defensive plays. And we're all going to be sitting here going, okay, how are the Royals going to afford to keep this guy? Because in three or four years, he's going to be eligible for a max contract that people aren't going to believe can be, can be paid by a Royals franchise. Now, yeah. we've seen the Royals spend some money. We've seen what they've been doing of recent times. They just went and gave Grinky a contract that's worth up to $15 million for one year, and I love that signing. But Witt is a guy that you don't just sign for the feelings. You sign for what he's about to do. Dude's in his early 20s, going to have the ability to change baseball here in Kansas City. I think it's perfect because they're eventually going to get that downtown ballpark. And at that point, Witt could be just getting into his prime because we know baseball players, positional players especially, once they hit 29, 30 years old, you can start seeing their best seasons. So Witt stays healthy. I think you can see the net, and I hate putting that pressure on him because Alex Gordon crumbled under that pressure. He could be that next George Brett, man. He, yeah. And I think I think he's got more talent he's got, he's got than him. even George Brett did. I know that sounds blasphemous, man, Ooh. but just wait. I'm telling you all, this dude is special. Every single baseball person I know that has watched and covered the league for years and years and years, I've asked them the same question. Does this guy have that transcendental ability and talent. They all look at me like I'm stupid for even asking the question, because of course he does. Be ready, Royals fans, because this team might not be great for the next year, but you know what is going to be great is Bobby Witt, and it's going to be great to watch him be great. So I, yeah. I'm all for it. Yeah, the kid's got it. I mean, he, you, you watch him play, he's good at he's good, <laughs> he's good at everything he does in the game, you know you, I mean? So I, without question, I think this kid has is, is got every opportunity to be arguably the best talent this, this, the Royals franchise has ever had. He has all the capabilities uh, barring health, uh, you know, so absolutely, I, I think this kid is the future for this franchise if they if they allow him to be. Um, if he, you know, like you said, we've let a lot of talent walk out of this franchise right at the worst time when they when took that next step to become who they really, really were and how they impacted the game. So, I think this is a guy you want to keep in town for the long haul and keep him here as long as you possibly can because I think he's going to do a lot of great things, not only just for the MLB but for the Royals themselves. And I think I do agree with you, Lance. I think he has every chance to be a statue player for this franchise. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm right there with Lance. I'll lock a step with Lance on that statement. So, You brought up the downtown stadium. Uh, obviously, the, earlier this week, I, I showed some pictures to you, uh, to Lance, I believe, and I don't know if I, I uh, sent it on the message group, but yeah, uh, about that uh, possible downtown stadium for the Royals. I want to get your thoughts on that. Uh, what do you think of the future for the Royals if they happen, if they actually move to downtown? I'm from Kansas City. I've lived here my entire life, and I know the mindset of the of the people that live here. We are very conservative by nature. Uh, we don't like change. We like things to stay the exact same because it makes sense for us in this time. But what we don't understand is that with change oftentimes comes better opportunity and better things in general. That's what this is. Okay, look, look at it from a football standpoint. Before the Chiefs traded up 17 spots to get Patrick Mahomes, that was something that not only was unforeseen, but damn near 
a blasphemous in Kansas City. Just get the best player available. Go get a linebacker. Go get an offensive lineman. Build around Alex Smith. Yeah. Go give Steve DeBerg more talent. Like, that was always the mindset. Just play it safe. Just be safe. Just be good enough because we don't want to suck. And then you make risks. And then what happens? History changes. Actually, history doesn't change. You just finally start getting history. <laughs> then you start actually being fucking relevant again or for the first time. Yeah. <coughs> so when it comes to this situation... The Royals have been irrelevant since 2016. And they were irrelevant before 2014 for about 30 years. You know why that is? Because they played it safe and they just, well, we're a small market team. We can't compete with the big markets. Fuck that. Go make yourself relevant. You know how you do that? The biggest step of by doing that is getting a downtown ballpark. It's the most common sense thing ever. Almost every single team in the major leagues has a downtown ballpark. You know why? Because the people that live in the city, the most congested area of your state, will go to games and will attend things and events. You'll get the sponsorships and endorsements from the local brands and local companies. It generates revenue. And revenue is what brings what? Fans, players, opportunities, relevance. There is no negatives in this. I understand in this city, a small town or big town with a small town mindset. It's going to be massive change. It's going to be inconvenient. It's going to be weird because you remember your grandpa taking you to games. I mean, even John Sherman, the owner of the Royals. <coughs> excuse me. John Sherman himself said in his latest press release that his first date with his wife was at Kauffman Stadium. That place means a lot to him. Been married to his wife for like 40-something years. So, of course, it means something to him, just like it means something to all of us. We all have memories there. Mm-hmm. All, a lot of memories. Great memories. But are we not willing to see something great happen in Kansas City and give that up? Have the memory still, but to know that with that comes something even greater. To be able to show our kids, grandkids, you know, people that we care about that are coming about, that are younger now, but we'll be able to have that, a new, brand new thing for the next generations. I'm all for it, man. I think it's only going to elevate Kansas City as a whole. So for that, I'm on board. I'm progressive. Maybe I'm just weird like that. But I think it's only a great thing. I can't find the negatives. It's the best idea for a growing city, which is Kansas City. Kansas City continues to grow, not only its population, but its popularity. Uh, it's becoming, with the obvious, with the addition of Patrick Mahomes, this, a lot more attention is on the Chiefs and the sporting programs over here now. Bobby Witt becomes who we think he can be. That's like that's that much more attention. I think he, I think, um, I think at Downtown Stadium is a great rebrand for the city. Uh, I mean, I, I, this is comparing apples to oranges, but like when I grew up in Wyandotte County pretty much my whole life, and when they brought you know the Legend Shopping Center down here, that was a big thing for us because we haven't we have always had to go to other malls, we had to go to Johnson Park. County or Park yep. or Indian Springs, what you know? That, yeah, yeah. So we have to kind of go out of our way a lot of times to go to like a legitimate mall that we liked and enjoyed the experience. So when the Legends made its way out here with the movie theater and everything, you know, that was a huge thing for us. Change we the game. There, we're out there every weekend, man. Every time, you know, every weekend when that place first got out here. So, and I still, you know, I'm out there frequently. So, um, that was a big um, contribution, a big pull for this this part of town. That was big for us. We needed that. Um, and it helped. It helped revenue, helped, it helped this part of town, helped everything. So, um, that is that and that much more. You know, it's, we're talking about a stadium and a downtown stadium, especially for baseball. Downtown stadiums are like... It's like it's like a it's just a, a part of the culture at this point. Like you look at some of the best stadiums, a lot of them are right smack dab in the middle of the downtown. You know, with Wrigley and you know, and uh, in Boston with the Red Sox stadium and all that. Like that that's just a cool part, and that and that it, that's such a that will event it, it immediately become like one of those 
venues, not only just for baseball games, but for all other, you know, kinds of events. So I think that'd be a great idea. Uh, traffic will probably be, traffic will probably be awful for the first couple of years. I'm sure they have a lot of figuring out if they can develop some kind of because it is tight down there as it is. But if they make room with this new uh, addition to the airport, with you know making you know transportation a little, if we can you know get this rail system uh, you know a little bit more efficient, uh, it, I think it's a great idea. I think it's a great rebrand for the city. Like I said, a growing city, and I'm all for rebranding and, and you know touching things up and being progressive with things. So. Um, it's a fresh new look. I think it'd be a fresh new look for a lot of the younger generation moving forward. So I think it's a great idea, man. All right. Yeah, I can't wait for a downtown stadium. <coughs> to be great, and then, man. And then you also have the the professional women's soccer also trying yeah, to build that, that downtown complex. WSL. Yep. So you got huge. you potentially have the the chance to have two downtown stadiums, and then obviously you're adding to uh, to what's already there, which is T-Mobile Center. That's going to intrigue the NBA, it's a major venue, NBA, yeah. and possibly hockey to moving a market, uh, to to have a market out here with a professional team with the NBA or hockey. Yeah, because obviously the league, make, Negro yeah. league base, baseball museum down there too. Everything would kind of be like right. That'd be that's a Dude, good idea, man. Yeah. So yeah. I can't. Yeah. That, yeah. Royals should take that opportunity if if they have it. So absolutely. Uh, next question is uh, I want to talk Kyrie Irving because he is finally going to be allowed to play home games. Uh, just leading up to the playoffs, how does this he- how does this help the Nets during the playoffs? I mean, just from the just from that statement alone, it helps them. Kyrie Irving is a borderline elite player in this league, uh, one of the greatest finishers ever at guard at getting to the bucket and finishing. Uh, maybe the best handle we've ever seen, or at least since Allen Iverson. Uh, still in the prime of his career, weird as fuck, but great basketball player and so naturally the nets are just better from that alone just adding him to the equation problem though the 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 problem though for the nets is they're going into the playoffs as a very very low seed and that means they're going to have to go on the road to no matter where they go and as our guy nick wright has been saying i mean you're talking about having to go on the road without home court advantage against the sixers the bucks the bulls teams like that and I don't believe they would win those series. Maybe the Bulls, I would probably pick the Nets to scrape by in that series because Kevin Durant could just, I think, take that team to task. And I don't think they would do enough because they don't have enough playoff experience outside of DeMar DeRozan. They don't have anyone that can guard him. Exactly. I think Kevin Durant could just single-handedly take over that series and just win the series. And then you sprinkle in Kyrie Irving. Game over. Yeah. I would pick them. But if they had to go travel to the Bucks, who I think are the best team in basketball and I think are going to probably win the title again, I would pick them. I would pick the, the the Bucks to win that series and win it in less than seven games, because of the fact that again, you don't have the chemistry in place. The depth, the Nets have zero depth, zero. They have no depth whatsoever. Their shooting is all banged up. Outside of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, just going out and having Kobe, Shaq, LeBron, Kyrie type types of runs, this team isn't even getting past the second round. And I again, I think if this would have happened earlier in the year. I think that they would be in much better position. I could say this team can get to the finals. But I just don't think there's enough there right now for them. And I think that just being a low seed, it's going to be very, very difficult for them to do so. And I will defend Kyrie in this. The mandate thing, which I have been in full support of because I want to see people be healthy and survive bullshit like this pandemic, made no sense. They made no sense. You know why it didn't make any sense? And I know this sounds weird coming from me. Kyrie Irving just a few weeks ago was allowed to sit courtside at Barclays mm-hmm. without a mask, and that was 100% okay. 
but he couldn't play home games. It's like the restaurant thing. <laughs> what in the literal fuck? Yeah, you have to wear a mask going into a restaurant, but you go and sit down, you can take it off. Yeah, it's just like... Yeah. It makes no sense what they did to Kyrie Irving. And I've been somebody who's been calling him out for his stances on things. He said some strange things, but... Yeah. <clears throat> and he's a strange dude. Yeah. But that, that doesn't make, make him wrong in some of these things. Mm-hmm. And I think that this actually made him look better. Lacks logic. Because it didn't make any sense what New York does. And now how convenient. How convenient, Eddie, that they lift this right before the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Right how base, convenient. Yeah, too. right before baseball season yeah. when the Yanks and Mets are going. Yeah. And the Mets look really promising. How convenient. Well, there's a lot, of, a lot of baseball players bitching about it. Too. Wow. That's just, that's strange. Yeah. So, in New York. The, the mandates just look like a joke now, and I can't even defend it. And I don't even want to go down a rabbit hole of that. I'm just saying that Kyrie's biggest stance in all of this was going against it, and it looked very foundational at the time. Now, they made an ass of themselves with these mandates, and Kyrie gets the last laugh, and he deserves every bit of it. I saw his press conference last week when all this went down, and he sat there, and he was like, I don't want any superlatives. I don't want any hyperbolic questions. I just want you guys to get down to brass deck. Because he knows. He won. So the Nets, in, in retrospect, they're better. But I don't. I still don't think they're, they're, te- they're a team that are going to get to the finals. No. They're absolutely better. I mean, we've seen Kyrie this, <coughs> this past month and a half drop a couple 50 burgers yep. and then a 60 burger. So you're getting a guy like get back like that who is absolutely 100% of the league. sat the last eight minutes of that game, by the way. An elite score in this yeah. league. Yeah, I mean, Kyrie's been on a roll. He's got a massive chip on his shoulder this this coming back and with this with the everything, you know, coming kind of coming back to normal. And I mean, I think I think they're absolutely a threat in the East, uh, regardless of seed. I think with Ben Simmons coming into his own and becoming who we know he is defensively, I think that can definitely change some things once he kind of figures out who he is in this team. Um, I think they could beat anybody in the East. Um I just, I just think that the talent is just overwhelming with the offensive talent between him and Kyrie, or him and KD, and then the defensive uh, help with with Ben Simmons. I think is huge. So I, they still are not a good defensive team, though. They're really not. I know they've had some games where they've been, but I mean, you got to look at the Miami Heat. They've they've been bouncing up between the one and the two top spots in the East too. The Miami Heat's been they've been struggling as of late, but that's been a good team, a very good defensive team too. I think it would give them fits as well. I'm still not completely sold on the Bucks, man. I. I I think this year, they, I mean, I know they've been very consistent. They've been right there with the best teams. They've been very consistent. But when it comes to postseason, we've seen them fail too many times. I know they succeeded last year. We've seen them fail a lot more than we've seen them succeed. They reached the top last year. I get that. But I just, I don't, I think if it came down to like Philly, I still think Philly's the best team in the East. I just, I, I think they are. I think that's who I would pick still because I think Embiid's just been that great. And, and Harden's been a little inconsistent. Obviously, we all kind of saw that coming. But when he's hot, he's extremely tough to, to stop. This East is a big shakeup, man. So um, with the Kyrie thing, I think that only bringing it back full circle here, I think Kyrie absolutely helps <laughs> this Nets team be great. And I think they absolutely have a chance to win the East. And I think once playoff times comes around, I think they can beat anybody. I really do. My last question for you guys, are the Lakers making the playoffs? Yes. I, I feel confident because Anthony Davis, hold on. Let me explain yeah, my yeah. case. Anthony Davis will be back. Um, I, I'm, I'm taking it from – the expectations I had at the beginning of the year, and I'm dropping way. I'm like literally throwing the ball down the hill, dude. Like it, now, now we're talking like, will they even just get to the playoffs? Yeah. I do expect them to, because of, of two factors, and they're two obvious factors, but they're factors nevertheless. AD will be back, 
And I think he'll give them, obviously, that that push of adding that top 10 player to the equation. Him and LeBron already have enough chemistry to get it back going. You say AD will be back where he hurt his back. Is it? <laughs> right. Good call. <laughs> Fuck, man. Trevor, I'm going to call Trevor Butter. He's on a roll today. Good job, Trevor. Well done. I might shake your hand after this one. But also oh, the fact, and, and this is this is the most obviously obvious factor of it all. It's LeBron James and over my dead body kind of thing. Like we saw, we've seen. Might look be at a it. Literal look at body. it. The, the, the Lakers, I think, won three games in the last fifteen. Yeah. Like three and twelve in the last fifteen games. In all three of those games, LeBron had to score over thirty-five points. You mean to tell me right now, if it meant because we just saw this last year, yeah. them just getting into the playoffs, they had to do the play-in game with the Warriors. LeBron went out there and dropped thirty-eight points, and won them the game with a game-winning shot over Steph Curry. Right. That's the type of scenario I think I, I envision will happen again where LeBron's going to go out there, drop 44 points, maybe flirt with a triple-double, squeak out a victory. LeBron's going to do what he does. Yes. I, I have full yeah. confidence that's going to happen. If 80 is just 75 80% of what he is, Weeks. he's 75-80% better than anything else they could throw out there. Yeah. And I just hope that Russell Westbrook just sits the entire fourth quarter <laughs> so they don't even have to worry about him fucking things up because I swear to God if he does, I'll pay the money to make sure he gets out of L.A. next year. So yeah. that's what's going to happen. I think they're going to get in there. Because think about it like this, too. And I'm not trying to sound like an ultimate optimist here. But they had to play in the playing play game last year and had a 2-1 lead against the Suns, who got to the finals before AD got hurt. Yeah. I'm not saying they're going to make this deep run. Well, All I'm saying is... Shaq would echo those sentiments if, to you. If they get in, yeah. and when they get in, in my opinion... All of a sudden, you're looking at a team outside of the Philadelphia 76ers. They're the only team out there that has two top ten players in the league. Yeah. I don't give a fuck what you say, Rick Buecher. LeBron is a top ten. I can't believe I'm acknowledging it. stupidity. Yeah. But the point is, this team gets in the playoffs, and if they have to face the Suns, they're probably going to lose again in the first round. And that's the most, most likely scenario. But I'm not going to sit here and put dirt on them and say their playoff hopes are done. I'm saying they'll get in, and then we'll see what the fuck happens, which will probably be a five-game loss in the series against the Suns. Yeah, Jack, Shaq, Shaq even said that uh, he he, th- he thinks that the Lakers make the, the playoffs and they play the, the Suns in the first series. He said he thinks that they'll beat the Suns. And Now, Chris Paul, if he's still banged up, if Chris yeah. Paul can't go. Because they don't have a real a- answer for AD. Yeah. I, I mean, I know. He was killing Aiden yeah. before he got yeah. hurt. He Aiden was killing is not him. a defender. Aiden is a very skilled offensive player, good traditional post player. But anyways, I think they make the playoffs. As hard as this road has been this year, it's been if AD gets here just in time to make a run. I mean, they're not far out from it right now, right? Now. I mean, they're they're sitting right at that 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 playing role. So I think, and, and LeBron has been incredible this year, man. Like regardless of anybody says, well, you can say whatever you want about their seeding and where they're at and how they've been underperforming. I mean, yeah, they're missing. Arguably, their best player. I mean, I know LeBron's the best player still uh, statistically, but AD is maybe the most important player for them to have success here because he, LeBron needs him, man. Like he, needs, this is the yep. point of a team. You need your, 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 you know, Batman to your Robin, your Robin to your Batman. You need those guys, and AD is an, an elite player when he's healthy. So you need that guy, especially defensively. Jesus, the defense has been struggling, man. Um, so if they get there, I think like you, like you said, Lance. Me and you've always been, you know mind to mind eye to eye with this like lebron's in the playoffs anything goes anything can happen you know he just had he's got he got beaten the first round for the first time ever just recently so i think that's gonna that's lingered for him i'm sure so if he knows he gets in there lebron's not gonna want to get bounced in the first round twice that's just not something he's gonna want to let happen so there's gonna be a massive chip on his shoulder if they're healthy going to the postseason yeah, he, he, wants to leave, he wants to leave that for mj's legacy it, you know he's yeah <laughs> anything can happen man so i think i think they make it barely i know it's been a rough year and I think they get in there, and like once they get in there, I'm gonna be cheering my ass off for. Them and anything happen, man. Oh, uh, there's eight <laughs> games left in the yeah. season. They're currently sitting tenth. 
tied with the Pelicans at 31 wins. Yeah, they got to be better, though. So, this is the Lakers' remaining eight games. Yeah, it's tough. They play the Pelicans tomorrow. Then they go play the, the Mavericks. Then they play the Jazz. They play the Pelicans again. Then they play the Nuggets. Then they play the Suns. Then they play the Warriors. Then they play the uh, Thunder. The last game of the season for them is against the Nuggets. A lot of tough teams. But here's but the thing. a lot of teams that are kind hey, of coasting into the postseason. That's, thank you. Yep. Uh, the Nuggets for sure, because they can't move up or down right now as it currently stands, unless they go like a 10-game losing streak. Steph for the Warriors. Yes, yeah, Steph. The, the Warriors are terrible right now. Yeah. They've been terrible. Yeah, been and I, honestly, I told you guys, if the Lakers were to face Steph Curry at his best with the Warriors, I would pick the Lakers. They match up with that team oh, so yeah, yeah. good. Especially if AD's healthy. Man. Yes. If AD's so, healthy, they have no answer. So the Nuggets, Trevor, you, you literally took the words out of my mouth. Yeah. Nuggets are going to be coasting, right? Uh, uh, the Suns, they're going to try to stay as healthy Mavericks. as possible right now because they're going to sure up the one seed. Yeah. So Mavericks, yeah, Ma- are, Mavericks yeah. are the fourth, fifth seed. They're yeah, right they're going to stay right in that area. Mm-hmm. So maybe the Mavericks will still play tough. I'm sure because Doncic is such a but Doncic has been banged up lately too. He got kind of, he's kind of banged up right now too. He missed last the, or he played last game, but he's missed the two before that. So. Right. So I'm just saying, like I Keeping know it soon. looks like a rough fucking stretch, and it probably still will be. But it wouldn't shock me if the Lakers go five and five. And it would shock me if they go six and four, five and, and five. Like you just said they're right there with the Pelicans. Eight eight I'm sorry, eight and, and last were, last ten. I'm sorry. Well, you just said too that those Pelican games might be the toughest ones left on the schedule because yeah. the Pelicans are trying to get in there too. Yeah, you know what I mean. So that's the team that has to probably the most fight. And they Pelicans beat their and ass those last goddamn time. Thunder. I don't know what it is, man, but they they play so well against the Lakers. Well, man. I know everybody does. Fast, energetic they guys. They so well. Yeah, they do, man. Gildas, so well. Gildas Alexander is a fucking baller. Yeah, they got nothing to lose. Hey, did you fucking Lakers better leave him alone. Good guy. Lakers, Lakers better not go and be like, hey, okay, see, so I'll give you three rounds. Yeah, first round. That kid's round. a stud, no. man. Fuck you guys. The Lakers going to make some, some moves this offseason for sure. That's our guy. Fuck you guys. <laughs> yeah, you guys don't have guys. They always go somewhere else. And <laughs> the play, the playing game right now, it's looking uh, – so in the eighth seed is the Clippers, and yeah. the ninth seed is the Pelicans. So right now that's the playing game, but if the Lakers somehow make make it to the to the ninth seed because they are fought five games get behind, to that game, behind so the, play, the Clippers – yeah. So it'll be Clippers Lakers if anything happens. So that's gonna be a it's gonna be a one hell of a game. Hell yeah, Clippers Lakers. Yeah. Do we have any uh, Do we have any comments on the chat at all? Or uh, are they leaving us alone today? Shaggy Shane said, "I grew up uh, I grew up with the K four miles from my house. It's a short drive. Short drive <laughs> yeah, so to put, the he put the little music countryside. <laughs> yeah, I, know that. I can hear Shane singing it right yeah, now. It's in my head." Uh, I'll just read you a few more. Okay. Um, everybody had to figure out how to guard Tyreek in the Chiefs offense. That trade made sense. <coughs> 28 years old and will start declining very soon. He's clear. He clearly doesn't care about winning, just wants the bag now. Uh, this is... Uh, oh, uh, this one. This is a good question. How about Tyreek's uh, pressers when he said that Tua is the most accurate passer in the NFL? Look, I, I'll say something to that. I know that was good. I was surprised, honestly, that wasn't in your Eddie hour because I was, I, was, I was ready for that one. What is Tyreek supposed to say in that moment? Yeah, uh, I came here for the money, and holy fucking shit, my quarterback sucks. Like, what's he, what's he supposed to say? Like, you you really think in his heart of hearts he believes that? No. Like, it's, to, like when, it's like when Jamal went to the Broncos. Yeah, like, like Jamal Charles went to the Broncos. 
Yeah, what, what would you take? What 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 amount of money would you yeah. bet that Tua next season in 2023 is not the starting quarterback for the Dolphins? Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, we even heard fucking oh, Tom Brady trying to good. pencil in a trade to go to the Dolphins. So. We're giving him everything he needs. I mean, he's got a good defense. Now yeah. he's got the, maybe the fastest offense in the league. I think he, yeah, that's just that's just team speak. That's him yeah. supporting his teammate because he has to because otherwise it's just going to build controversy and there's no reason for that. Tyreek knows the game because he's been in the spotlight for four or five years now. He knows how to handle the press. That's what you do is you you sit there and back your quarterback even if you know he sucks ass. So I mean I'm a left-handed thrower. I might throw the ball a little better than two at this point, guys. And I'm a 34 year old lefty that doesn't play sports anymore. So that that's what Tyreek's doing. I don't know if you have anything to add to that, but that's that's where I stand on it. I'm with you on that. Says uh, so this is when we were talking about uh, Brown Jr. Uh, Reed and Mahomes made Hill. I go with Brown over Hill. Reed and Mahomes made. Uh, see, okay. I don't want to be the guy that disrespects a player, though, because Tyreek Hill has has been a work machine. That dude has got a work ethic that is unreal. You guys should go watch. I know Trevor does. His off-season fi- yeah, footage, what he does, I, I don't think I've ever seen another wide receiver, let alone like player at all, work out the way this dude. It's he's absurd. A, he's a freak, he works his ass off. He's earned everything he's ever gotten, including this contract and all his numbers he's put up. Has it been easier putting those numbers up with Tyreek Hill in, or with Patrick Mahomes in Andy Reid's system? Yes. But are we going to sit here and take away from guys that have advantages? No. That's not how we do things. If we're going to start doing that, you got to start taking chips off of Tom Brady for having Bill Belichick all those years and having all these weapons in Tampa Bay. Start taking that stuff away then. Like, where does the, where do you draw the line? I'm not doing that to Tyreek Hill. I think Tyreek Hill has earned everything he's gotten because of what he does, and I've seen him do it with average quarterback play in Alex Smith. He put up 1,200 yards in 2017 with Alex Smith. Spare me on, on the whole, they made him. No, they didn't. Tyreek Hill made him who he is because we gave, we gave he put the, the work in. But the, he put he, the work he in. He is who he is. He put the work in. Yeah, yeah. That's true. That's it. That's all right. That's what we got. All right. We have one more order of business to get to. I hope you guys are ready for it because I know I love it every single time we do it. Guys, what's it called? Hold <laughs> this hell. Each and every week we finish off each and every episode with a series of L's in the world of sports. Whether they're nice, friendly, or not so nice and friendly, L's in the world of sports, whoever's holding those L's, deserve them L's. Mr. Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo, who's holding the L for you this week, and is it F1? It's not F1, though. It is, <coughs> it's currently on, but no, not F1. Uh, the biggest disappointment of the of the year, Italy. Mm. Oh, my God. Italy losing, oh my God. To, Italy losing to North Macedonia. Or something like that. I don't even know what the... You said you didn't even know the country existed. We were yeah, talking about it. Uh, if you ask me right now to 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 map to put my finger where I think Macedonia is, I I couldn't tell you. Italy only knows it from scripture, from the Bible. <laughs> Macedonia being the place where where Saul became Paul or some shit. What well, that? I, I don't know the Bible. So <laughs> I, can, I, I honestly Thinner. don't. Eddie's yeah. letting us know he's a Buddhist. <laughs> I honestly don't know where it is. Where. I mean, it's a European qualifier, so I'm assuming it's in Europe. It's one of those, you know, Europe oh, places. It's one of those just, white regions. Yeah, let's, let's just say it was a, a it was a qualifier, uh, but they they had to play somebody else outside of Europe, or yeah, just a, a random country. I, I could I could probably went to Macedonia, maybe Africa. I don't fucking know. I don't know where this is at. It's on the earth. It's somewhere. Yeah, it's somewhere. What if Johnny earth. Cash went there in the song? He's been everywhere, man. I wonder if North yeah. Macedonia. Like, is that <laughs> that in there? And it's like, not even Macedonia. It's North Macedonia. <laughs> no, it's it's what, about, what about South Macedonia? It's the tippity of the top. Yeah. What about South Macedonia? Like, what? What goes on there? Like, 
do they play soccer? What do they do? <laughs> South Harmon, that's where they would go. But <laughs> this is the biggest failure. Well, I mean, they missed last last yeah. World Cup four years ago. But this but, is... but they are the current European champions. They just want the Euros yeah. last year. Yeah. The, they are the defending European champions and failed miserably. You think they just slept on them, or what do you, what do you think it's happened? It's not that they slept on them. It, they just couldn't finish. They had 30 shots and only five shots on goal. Out of those 30 shots, only five of those shots were on goal. I mean, they were either deflected or the, the goalie stopped. Well, them. how much credit do you think you need to give Northern Macedonia, though? All of it. Because I feel like maybe they're better than All what we expected. It. Like, it's, Saint, it's, we're looking at St. Peter's right now in the tournament. That's pretty much what North Macedonia is. Yeah. So, so but... I mean, Italy, bro. Like, yeah. It's, this, this clearly demonstrates the... Uh, the, the, the situation that the situation that is currently happening in in, in Italy yeah their their youth their youth teams uh, their youth programs their youth soccer programs they're failing they're failing miserably and it's it, it, it sucks but I have to compare it with Mexico their youth teams are failing yeah uh, they're not bringing up those young players anymore that they used to they are failing, and we've seen Mexico. They used to, uh, I want to say, dominate the CONCACAF region, but they were a fierce competitor in the CONCACAF region. It's somebody that you were afraid to go play in Mexico. It's somebody that you were afraid for them to come play with you, play yeah. against you. Those things are gone for Mexico. <laughs> this is the same for Italy. They they just went and won the European Championship last year. Yeah, and then you you can't qualify by beating a team that. I, t- I can guarantee you 70 to 80% of the world's population couldn't tell you where it is. It, it is sad. Uh, it is unfortunate. But hopefully this wakes up uh, the Italy Soccer Federation to invest in their youth. To, to, to do everything they can to bring their youth up. Right now their, their youth is uh, non-existent in, in, in Italy. It's that that league is made up mostly of foreign players. Hopefully, they can come up with a solution. Mexico is trying to make a create a solution to where they limit the amount of foreign players, and they're trying to force teams to play uh, under tw- under twenty one players a certain amount of minutes the entire the entire season. So they're trying to create this thing for 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 Mexican players to come up and actually be something, and it just disappear. So I think Italy has to go back into the drawing board and see what they can do better for their youth system, which is where these teams are failing. And obviously, years down the road, obviously, you're probably not struggling right now, but years down the road, when that youth is not coming up, it's not succeeding the way it should be, you're going to start struggling. You're, you're going to start seeing players not be at the same caliber at, at the, as they used to. And I think Italy's reached that point to where You've you've missed your second in a row, like your second World Cup in a row. There is definitely something that's that's happening that needs to be addressed. And I'm just in shock and disbelief that they lost. I, I, I couldn't believe it. it. It was just hard to even read that they lost. Yeah. It was unbelievable. <clears throat> so if Italy doesn't do anything, god damn, it's been so 
there'll be 12 years without a World Cup before the next World Cup comes uh, comes around. So 12 years without a a a, a, a World Cup champion. Hmm. They've they've won the World Cup before to not play a World Cup and or to even be competitive. To, to be competitive. To lose to Fuck me. And you're the current European champions. How the fuck does that happen? I don't know. So, for that reason, you have to do me a favor and hold this L. L. Trevor Twidwell, who is holding the L for you this week? So, I don't have an L. I'm just going to – I have two W's I'm going to give out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. He wants to be the funny guy all day, and then he wants to get serious. Yeah. I know. He start, you know, honoring folks and shit. Yeah, now we're going to fucking cry. Yeah, now, yeah. Thanks. Where do you no, go? No, no, no. It's, it's fucking good. sheep over I'm here. I'm going to go right off what you said. I'm going to bring up St. Peter's, man. Listen, a 15th seed that walked into this, this tournament and beat Kentucky, the number two seed, Kentucky, right off the bat. Shock. Whoa, we've seen these happen before. Then they follow that up by beating number seven, Murray State. Holy shit, this might be for real. Let's see what they can do against Purdue. Purdue's probably going to knock them off. That's probably where this train stops. Then they go in there and beat Purdue 67-64 to last night. But this is one of the most, the first 15th seed to ever go into the Elite Eight. It's one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. We've seen a lot of great runs. I'm a KU guy, and I'll get to KU in a minute. But outside of KU, I am rooting for these boys. They, I think they have. To, I'm not sure who they go to play next. Um, but man, you beat Purdue and Kentucky in the same in the three game span to keep yourself alive to be the first. Put yourself and shout out to coach too to put this team into uh, 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 the, as the first 15 seed to go into the Elite Eight. And who knows, man? They might have. They might be destined for the Final Four or a championship. Who knows? I, I'm I'm pulling for these guys. Like I said, outside of KU. Who's my squad? I am pulling for that. That's what this is. What makes we were just talking about this before the show started. This is what makes March Madness arguably the best sporting event in the world, man. Just to watch the excitement, the all these young men that are trying to make you know their future dreams come true, and or if they know that they're not their future is not in basketball, they're 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 seizing the moment. You know that is this tournament and uh, you know making a name for themselves in college basketball lore, which is a fun thing to revisit. College basketball lore is one of the funnest things to like revisit. It's it's great. Um, so shout out to those guys. I'm giving them a W, man. Um, it's it's an unprecedented run. What these guys are doing, being the first 15 seed to make the the, the elite eight, it's incredible. Um, so I'm pulling for them. And then I want to give my guys a W, the University of Kansas men's yeah. basketball, becoming the winningest franchise. Winningest uh, program in NCAA men's Division One basketball history. Um, they, they 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 just sent recently passed uh, Kentucky uh, with two thousand three hundred fifty four wins. Incredible man! Shout out to Coach Self, Coach Roy Williams, who's a big part of that as well, and all the history that that this uh, incredible program has done. Um, I'm hoping we can further that further that by winning this next game here. I think we play. Uh, I think we're playing Miami or Iowa State. Between who wins between those two teams, um, so and those two teams are are going to be a tough matchup. But I do believe, uh, you know, we have what it takes. This defense has been this this has been a fun team. You know, seeing the guys, you know, uh, um, uh, Remy Martin and guys like that really really shine and become mm-hmm. you know unexpectedly. You know, we didn't expect Remy to be the guy. He's been putting up. He's been leading the team in points. You know, so it's just this is a fun team to watch, man. It's a gritty bunch. Not the most talented, like even even Coach Self has said, not the most talented bunch of guys he's had. He's had a, a lot of extremely, you know, he's had the NBs and the Wiggins of the world, you know. So yeah, you know, all those guys. He's had a, a bunch of great talent. Um, so 
I'm excited to see what these guys do getting into this in this Elite Eight part of this tournament here. Um, but I just wanted to give them that time and give them that pedestal to stand on being the winningest right here in our backyard, man. The winningest friend, the winningest program in NCAA men's basketball division one. Uh, it's an incredible. So I'm gonna give them a W. And I do kind of want to revisit my L from last week, if I'm Uh-oh. being honest. I'm not giving him an L again. Look, I love Tyron Matthew to death. But dirty Dan Sorensen just got signed by the Saints. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So Tyron Matthew look, I I don't wanna keep, you know, putting more salt on this wound, but Tyron Matthew banged you know, he 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 was de- depending on himself and his namesake and his his prowess as a, as an elite or seemingly elite player at his position. And it's not working out for him, man. I just I just kinda wanted to revisit that again because it's it's even holding more weight this past as this week's past now that Dan Sorensen is now a Saint because there was rumblings that the Saints were looking at Tyron Matthew. And I, I think it's probably a price issue that he's wanting a, a money that he thinks he's worth that he's probably not at this point in his career. Something could happen happen during the draft. I think Ian Rappaport was talking about, you know, uh, a lot of times there are veterans that'll hang around the draft as someone whiffs on a, a safety and someone, you know, snipes the safety that they wanted or a DB that they wanted. They might go after Tyron, but he's still going to have to take a pay cut. Tyron is think he thinks he's worth 15, 14 million a year, and he's just not going to get that, man. Yep. You know what I mean? So it's it's not. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make him hold the L again this week because I don't want to do that. But I just <laughs> wanted, I just kind of I just kind of wanted to revisit that. That yeah. dirty fucking Dan just got signed <laughs> by the Saints before Tyron, bro. Yeah, and I think that's actually a hold good pick. this L. I think, it's a good, I think that is a good pickup by the Saints because I think they're gonna use Dirty Dan properly. What he is a box safety. He's yeah. not a coverage guy. The Chiefs fucked him last season. A tackling safety. Yes, he's yes. a good box guy. Yeah. So. I think that's a good pickup for a good veteran pickup, a good playmaker at times for the Saints. Not that he's going to be mentioned much this year, but I think that it just it just kind of goes to show that Tyron may be a little bit in over his head a little bit more than we thought, more than he thought. So <laughs> just want to throw that out there. Love well, you, Tyron. I want to start. I want to start my uh, little segment here uh, with a, with a W as well. And this W is actually going to myself. And the reason why it's going to myself is because one year ago, yesterday. We had gotten the news that the Chiefs decided to, I will say it, foolishly re-sign on another one-year deal, wide receiver Demarcus Robinson. Mm. And that was my birthday. And I remember sitting there in a parking lot waiting for my girlfriend, and I got the news. And about 12 texts from friends just laughing at me. Like, hey, happy birthday, bro. D-Rob's back. And I'm thinking, the Chiefs hate me. They 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 don't let me. I'm not allowed to like them I on Facebook. That they, day. They, they, I don't know why, but their Facebook page doesn't let me like them. I can only share their stuff. I can't comment, like. It's probably because I tag them and stuff, and I have unpopular opinions at times. Regardless, I know you guys are paying attention. I hated that. I hated that very much, and it just about ruined my birthday. Well, two days before my birthday this year, I get the news that Demarcus Robinson not only left the Chiefs but signed with the Raiders. And that made me really happy. You know, people are like, why the hell would you want him to go to the Raiders? Because he's their problem now. <laughs> he can moonwalk for them with the ball. He can go out there and ruin plays and celebrate like he actually had anything to do with big games and big plays I hope with he's them the, now. I hope he's their punt returner. I love this so much that not only did he leave my team finally, but he's with the Raiders now. That makes so much sense, and it makes me so happy. So from one year to the next, I'm patting myself on the back because this is birthday redemption for me. So thank you, guys. Thank you, Raiders. Thank you, Chiefs, for finally moving on and doing what you did. I also love the fact that the Chiefs, for the first time since 2014, won't be having Dirty Dan on the team. Because I understand that people say, well, he he does play well in certain areas and stuff. 
He's not a good football player anymore. He never really was all that much. He was a lovable character, one of those guys that have been around for the thick and thin. I, I appreciate that. But I'm so fucking happy that he is not going to be on this team moving forward because he was just dead weight at this point, and I couldn't be happier about that. So thank you, Chiefs, for making up to me what you guys have been doing to me for fucking forever when it comes to these two guys. My L is one I can't believe hasn't been brought up yet on this show because this is a guy that even more than I do gets dragged on Twitter uh, because he's somebody that steals content. He's on here that copies a lot of people, and he's just, for some weird reason, just very unlikable. I don't know what it really is about him. Something about his face. Something about his face. Something about his face. I just want to, you know, change your suck hole. <laughs> but Mr. Rex Chapman was on CBS uh, talking basketball. For whatever reason, CBS had him on the panel this week wow. trying to talk about basketball. And they were talking about the Providence, I believe they're called the Friars, if I'm not mistaken, the Providence Friars, and their great story and all these other things. And one of their legendary coaches is by the name of Pete Gillen, former uh, coach for the Providence Friars. And Rex decided to do all this, this big diatribe about you know, talking about the great Pete Gillen and some of the history that he had. This is a only 11 seconds long, but I want you guys to enjoy this with me. First time since 25 years ago when he had when pete gillen had god sham god rest in rest in peace pete gillen that's really that was really nice of rex chapman to pay tribute to you know what the providence friars are finally doing again for the first time in almost three decades when god sham god was their point guard i do remember watching god sham god play in the nba for a little bit i believe it was the wizards or something like that mm-hmm. uh and he's paying tribute to pete gillen and saying rest in peace rest in peace to pete gillen and you notice that little awkward silence after that? Well, the reason why there was awkward silence is because the rest of the CBS crew knows something that apparently Rex Chapman didn't. And it's the fact that not only is Pete Gillen not dead, <laughs> but he works for CBS as an analyst. <laughs> the same network that Rex Chapman is on to do the same job. And he's sitting here throwing literally, you know, we talk about give the guy the flowers. He was giving Pete Gillen's grave flowers before he needed to. Before the grave's even there. Maybe he was planning on killing him. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because if that's premeditated murder, <laughs> you blew your load yeah, on that did, one, Rex. Yeah, he dies today, now we know what the fuck's Well, going somebody on. died. It was Rex Chapman on the set. I mean, he might as well just said, rest in, Pete, rest in peace, Rex, Rex Chapman's career, because that's what he really just did, because he has been getting, since that, I mean, it's not even let up. I'm still seeing it all over Twitter, because again, People don't like Rex Chapman as it is. Yeah. Dude steals content constantly, copies people's takes, tweets, all this other stuff. So it's he was already a very unlikable character. And um, I don't mean to pile on Rex Chapman because I know he had addiction problems and things like that. I don't want to sit here and try to shit on the guy. This is inexcusable. Period, point, but I don't care who you are. you got to make sure if you're going to be calling someone dead... You better know they dead. That's all I'm saying, guys. So Pete Gillen, and I love Pete Gillen was uh, taking pictures and on, on the on the on the set going. And here's Pete Gillen, very alive and vibrant. Yeah, I'm not dead. Like celebrating this. Hey. Yeah, it gives Pete Gillen like the second life. Because you know I'm sure a lot of people don't really pay attention is, is to a lot of things. Dead? That, yeah, but just to sit here and say that he's fucking. Yeah, he's imagine Pete Gillen. Is Pete Gillen dead? He's like on his own computer. Am I dead? Like, what the fuck's happening here? Like, do I know not something that you know that Rex Chapman doesn't know? It's just hilarious, and I and I think it couldn't have happened to a better character because, like I said, people already feel feel a certain way. And yeah. when guys like him and Skip Bayless and dudes like that, who are already clowns as You're it is, do something like that, it just it just makes it that much sweeter and that that much more beautiful. So Rex Chapman, 
do me a solid, brother, and hold this L. And we're not dead either, in case you were curious. If he's going to say, rest in peace, Lance Twidwell, Eddie Ortiz, Trev Twidwell, we're, we're still kicking as well. We're, we're with ending Pete. the podcast. Yeah, we're, we're with Pete Gillen. This we're still here. Dead. Yeah, this episode. We're still here. This episode's now officially dead. <laughs> uh, and, and our ratings are probably going to tank now that Rex Chapman's been brought up. But Fine. maybe he'll steal this tweet and maybe share a post. I don't know, guys. We'll see. But in the meantime, it's been a blast. I uh, hope you guys are ready because next week I've had it confirmed in writing now. A guy that is very successful on Twitter is actually having a great 24 hours. Mr. Arrowhead Live, Mr. Grant Morse will be joining us. Uh, I want him to flex his shit, as I said in my my text to him just now. I wanted him to come on our show and, and, and definitely talk about all the right things he's been right about when it comes to the Chiefs and breaking news because these verified accounts are getting pissed, people. And I absolutely love it. But in the meantime, this has been a fun show. 160 has been awesome for Eddie Ortiz, for Trevor Twidwell, for the great Clay Winther that puts all this stuff together for us. I am Lance Twidwell. Episode 160 of the Spoken Podcast is done, finished, and finito. And so we're here in 161, just a week's time from today. We at it, bitch. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned in to the spoke. I might actually stick I might actually stick around for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs>